Today is Tuesday, June 13th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. So today, we talk about LGBT plus salvation, people in the LGBT plus community. Uh, what is their salvation status? So assuming they believe in a God and Jesus and care about that, um, yet they are unwilling to get out of their sin, you know, assuming they're part of the community that, you know, the Bible directly speaks to a sinful sort of thing. Because um, not everyone, by the way, in that community is inherently something the Bible speaks to. Like, you know, someone is the Q, for example, that doesn't have anything to do with how you interact with other people or fornication or hookups or anything like that. That's just kind of you and whatever you've got going on. So, uh, but the people in the in that community who specifically do things the Bible calls out a sin, um, assuming, you know, they're on a homosexual marriage and the Bible says, well, this is a sin, uh, then if they're like, well, what about, uh, you know, I, I am calling myself a Christian, I do believe in Jesus, but I'm not willing to stop, you know, hooking up with my spouse, who I'm gay married to, um, are they saved in spite of their obstinance um, to what the Bible calls sin? Um, anyways, that, then babies in hell, as if we haven't talked about this enough, um, what happens to babies who die uh, before they can make a conscious decision to follow Christ or anything like that? Are they in heaven? Are they in hell? Are they in baby space floating around? Let's talk about it. And then, because apparently the gospel is so simple, repent, believe, follow Jesus. You're saved by grace through faith. Put your trust and eternal security in the hands of Jesus. Ask to be born again, to receive this water of eternal life he talks about, and follow Christ. Um, since that apparently is so simple, um, we end up talking about politics. <laughs> like, okay, the gospel, Jesus, yeah, we get it. What can we talk about now? Well, let's talk about the Trump indictments coming. So, uh trying to navigate the waters of religion and politics and there's also some christian theocracy stuff in there and you know what's the what's the best way we'd like to see the government should the laws of the old testament be enforced on society or you know um you'll see my take less government is better government um but i love my overlords hail overlords um <laughs> so then we end up talking about trump and all this stuff the good the bad whatever so if that's your thing you'll enjoy this if not, you may be beating your head against the desk. It's not that bad, though. Like, not, not too many people yell and scream. That's, that's you know, our claim to fame. Not a whole lot of yelling and screaming. Um, although we definitely have disagreements. Um, so, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon if you like. And see how we navigate these waters without yelling and screaming. Learn some tools and tactics to do that. Um, and it's free if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. Also, check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support the podcast, and or click on the donate link and support us that way and keep us going. Um, cause we po. So, um, share these links with people and thank you for your support and have an awesome Tuesday. See you all later. Well, what say you, Rick? How are you doing this morning? Welcome, Rick. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, good morning. I just, <laughs> I just got here. I'm not entirely sure what <laughs> subject matter. We all did. Uh, what, so what are we talking about? Uh, salvation through, uh, grace apart from works. Uh, what is it? Oh, we're just talking about whatever. Uh, feel free to introduce your own thing. But, well, yeah, he was talking. Well, yeah, I guess what is the, what is the minimum standard? Minimum standard. I'm not familiar with. Well, you know, or, or what well, you know, like minimum standard to be cool with God. <laughs> A little more, you know, because people say different things. Like that's another thing, right? It's like every word is like a trigger word or like a debate word. So it's like you got to be super, super like careful about what word you say. Otherwise, you're going to get in like a two-hour debate that you never meant to. It's like, look, man, I'm just trying to like use words, read between the lines. Um, so, yeah, I, I often find myself using, uh, 
you know, using using words that are not in the Bible or not theological terms to kind of like get around the point. And then people accuse me of like being too flippant. I'm like, look, you may say like, what's your soteriology? Someone else may say, what does it take to be saved? What does salvation mean? I'm like, okay, what do you got to be cool to like be on God's good side? <laughs> like that, that's what we're all, that's what we're all talking about. So it's like, what's the minimum thing? Um, I guess I would say the minimum thing is um, faith that is life changing, faith that produces uh, good works, faith that produces um, love for your fellow man. The Bible says, if you don't, if you don't love your brother who you have seen, how can you love God who you haven't seen? You know, so uh, uh, there are people that claim to be Christians and they have contempt toward most people. I don't see how uh, it's possible to reconcile uh, the two. You know, you, you, I don't think you can truly have salvation and have contempt for uh, most people around you. Uh, but the, the bottom line, you know, the minimum, I think, uh, to, to be on good terms with God is salvation that is life-altering, life-changes, life-changing, rather, so that your life conforms to the teaching of Scripture. Apart from that, I don't think a person has salvation. Yeah, and I wonder where... Um... I wonder where that line is about being having contempt for people. I'd say contempt is not is not great, but I don't know being cross or being irritable or just not wanting to deal with nonsense. Like I don't know. I wonder where that where that line. I mean, I guess it's subjective, and God knows your heart. But I mean, you know, I can. I don't know. I can get kind of irritated with people sometimes, uh, sometimes. But then I don't think that would mean contempt. Like you know, I don't I don't really hate the people. I mean, nothing like that. That's that's obviously bad. So, you know, how, how irritated can you be with someone or their argument or their incessant nonsense and uh, not cross some? Well, I mean, I guess be angry, but do not sin, right? The Bible tells us that. Uh, ooh, somebody in chat, <laughs> I guess, continuing our honor of Pride Month. Oh, yeah, I like the new PTR in honor of the first Pride Month. It's Satan being kicked out of heaven because <laughs> uh, pride. Um Let's see. Would like to hear your opinion about the salvation of LGBTQ plus. I think you have to add a P in there somewhere. Um, I'll go first. <laughs> so, depending what you're talking about, because you know different letters mean different things. So not all of them have to do with sins, for example. Um, hang on. Let's see. Like the the Q, right? Like however people define like queer or gender queer or whatever, in my in my uh, I don't know humble estimation, it's just word salad and nonsense because that can mean anything other than one of the other letters, or probably even some of the other letters. But someone's like, "Oh, I'm the Q in LGBTQ plus," and it's like, well, "What does that mean?" It's like, "Oh, I'm just quirky. I'm queer. I don't fit in anywhere. No one likes me. I dye my hair black and tell my friends I bleed during class." Um, it's like, "Oh." Oh, so so you're not like gay or anything like that. They're like, no, no, no. They're like, I'm asexual, <laughs> or or whatever. Um. Anyway, so so yeah, like depending on which which letter in the in the word salad we're talking about, yeah, like salvation shouldn't be an issue. Um. Usually though, if people put themselves under that umbrella or in that community, um. J just from experience, they're not really the most religious or God fearing or God seeking person. 
Um, I mean, you know, there are those who have LGBTQ churches, whatever, but that's that's a small minority of an already pretty small minority. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, if there's not anything that's like the Bible says, hey, this is a sin and they're doing the sin, um, then, yeah, they, they can they can be saved. Um, assuming they care about God or believing in God or want the salvation Jesus talks about. Um, if people are, you know, in this community and they're like, yeah, we're, we're doing these sins. So what? We don't care. Pride. Well, I'd say that's a big problem. Um, you know, like, is it John or first John that says, you know, no one that's in Christ, you know, makes a, makes a practice of continuing in sin. It doesn't mean we're not going to sin, but it means we're certainly not going to be proud about it. We're not going to be happy and on display of what the Bible calls sin. And we're going to have a heart of repentance when we do sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus. So we're going to repent. We're going to trust God and change. Um, or at least, goodness, sit in a room and do nothing instead of like running half naked down the road waving flags. Um, so I'd say that. So the first problem, but before it's like being gay or, you know, having sex with lots of people, even straight people, you know, we don't get a pass. Uh, we can't just run around having sex with all the, you know, all the straight sex we want. If it's outside of marriage, it's fornication and sin. So I would say that, um, that uh, assuming they actually care what God thinks, that's the first problem. Because if they don't care about God or don't believe in Jesus or acknowledge him as Lord or any of that stuff, then that's their issue. Nothing else matters. So assuming they do acknowledge Jesus, then, yeah, get your house in order. Stop doing what the Bible calls sins. And if you slip up, just like everyone else, repent, ask for the mercy of God and stop doing that what do you think about that rick oh, i think you're spot on you know i mean i think you covered it pretty well what else can what can you add to that uh you know all of us are going to slip up at some point in some way uh everybody's different so but but yeah i mean just do what's right um you know, I, I just don't know. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear about uh, the transsexuals, the homosexuals, and all this stuff. And uh, people don't like it, but uh, you either believe the Word of God or you don't. The Bible tells us it stems from rebellion uh, and not because, you know, uh, of anything genetic. So there you go. Oh, that reminds me of something I saw. Um, some, it was, you know, the popular trope, like I was born this way. And then uh, it, it's like got a, like superhero, like, you know, how superheroes would fight and has like a fist of like the bad person. It's like, you know, animation, like that's moving real fast. And it's like, I was born this way. And then it's got the, like the hero with like the, the like super glove or whatever. And they like block the punch and they're like, you need to be born again. I'm like, oh, that's great. But yeah, so apparently I messed up the chat. Okay, so it says, let me change uh they're, they're not talking about, is it a sin? They, they agree that it is a sin. They're talking about the salvation. So like if a same-sex couple, like a gay couple is married, and I guess what? What's, it'd be easy if you could talk, but if a, a gay couple is married and they are trying to be saved, like they're gay, they're married, they're in an unambiguous gay relationship, like hooking up and all that stuff, but they also say Jesus is Lord and they're trying to be saved. Is that the question? It's kind of like... Uh... Another equation, oh. you know, the LGBT. Well, what, well, hang on. Yeah. Well, yeah. Speak to this, brother. So, yeah, that that is it. So, so their question is, um, yeah. So they all agree it's sin, but they say if it's a same-sex couple who is married and is in a homosexual, ongoing relationship, um, and they also apparently are trying to be Christians, are they saved? Like basically, they're living in what the Bible absolutely calls sin. 
they're living in it unrepentant and they want to be saved. Can they? Right. It's like uh, the LGBTQ plus, you know, they're adding letters, but there's letters they won't add to it, such as BA, which, you know, they should add being born again to it. And, you know, they say they're born this way, but uh, if they add BA to it, they would be born that way, which would erase like LGBTQ from their acronym. You know, I'm going to say, I mean, only God judge, can judge the heart. There's got to be a line somewhere, but I'm going to say that's completely antithetical to the Bible, to to being like, okay, well, I'll take your Jesus, but I'm going to still take my sin, um, you know, because Jesus says he'll give freely to the eternal waters, you know, the waters of eternal life to anyone who wants it without payment. Um, but also, you know, he says, repent and believe the gospel. So at what point is, is there, yeah, I mean, if you just have a hardness of heart and they're unapologetically like, we are going to keep hooking up with, you know, our same sex spouse and God can either like that or, or not like that. Um, well, well, I think God's going to not like that. So, I mean, I mean, that's basically like, like saying, you know, you, you are following Jesus, but you hate everything about Jesus. It's like, okay, well, if you say you hate everything about Jesus, then you can say like, you could pay lip service and be like, Oh, well, I'm following Jesus. But I mean, you're not right. Cause if you were, you wouldn't be like, well, I hate the guy too. So it's like that. It's like, well, you know, I want the salvation, but I also want my sin. So, so pick one. What do you think about that, Rick? Right. I mean, that's kind of sticky, right? Cause on one hand it's like, well, look, nothing, nothing can separate. And you know, if you're truly born again, if you're truly his, but if you're truly his, you wouldn't be, you would acknowledge your outstanding sin and try to not do that stuff. Um, <laughs> who doesn't want their sin right <laughs> there's a lot of fun in it um but yeah i mean you're right you've got to you've got to make a choice and uh you know it, god won't let you god won't let a child of god go unpunished uh when he indulges in sin uh and y you know you can't have both uh without some sort of punishment but if you if you are continuously rebellious particularly about things the bible uh, specifically uh, in, and emphatically says, if you do this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, a, uh, uh, you can't be saved. There's no salvation. It, it is in, an impossibility. And, you know, there are, there are certain things where God says, you turn from this or you're going to hell. And so, I mean, it's, it's cut and dry. There's nothing you can do about it. If you continue in that, you will go to hell. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you, you again, you either believe it or you don't. And if you don't, you know, uh, well, you know, you're going to find out. And either the Bible is wrong or, or you are. And my guess is uh, you are. So, <laughs> well, you know, that's a, that's a good point. Like, I mean, this will definitely be people, people will have problems with this. But I mean, you know, I think there's something to it. Like, you know, someone once said, like, I think they would be on the side that, yes, um, in theory, a homosexual couple who's unrepentant can can be saved. But they would say kind of along. They would go further than what you said. Like, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to continue in their sin without some sort of punishment because, you know, God will discipline those who he, he loves. So if they truly want salvation and want to be saved and, you know, they give their heart to Christ. I mean, you know, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So do that. Um, 
so that that's hard, right? Because the, the scenario is their heart is hardened and they don't, they clearly don't want to keep this commandment because if they did, they would, but they're like, no, we are, we are going to keep living in this. So assuming they can actually be, you know, actually follow Christ anyway, um, with that type of stance. <laughs> yeah. Chris is like, you know, at a certain point, if you're not going to change, God will kill you. <laughs> People are like, what? I'm like, you know, I think I agree with that more than not. Like if, if you're truly, you know, born again and you have eternal life and you're continuing in unrepentant sin, well, you're going, I mean, if you're truly saved, God's not, you know, not Christ isn't going to lose anyone that's been given to him. So what's the alternative to keep you from living in your sin? God will just kill you. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that that's pretty extreme. Like, I like to think, you know, people will change before then through like, you know, the discipline of God. But if they won't, I mean, if they like are like Pharaoh, but yet somehow also saved. Um, yeah, maybe you'll just get smashed by a bus or something. So, uh, you know, your soul can be saved. Who wants to weigh in on that? I mean, it's kind of what you said, Rick, just uh, took it a little bit further. Yeah, you just you're just uh, echoing what we find in the scriptures. So, um, uh, and, and some people disagree with this, uh, you know, debatable, I guess. But uh, it, it's like the guy that was uh, committing fornication that Paul talked about. Uh, you know, that his he was delivering the faith for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved. Is is that what you're referring to? Uh, this was talking about Ananias and Sapphira, like how they, um, you know, they're asking if, if they're saved. And it was his opinion that, you know, yes, they are. Um, but they also lied to God. So he killed them. And, uh, you know, they're they're in heaven, but they met met their swift departure of this world for lying to God. Yeah, that works, too. But, um, you know, I, uh, either way you look at it. Um, yeah, I mean, sin, sin does not go unpunished. Uh, if you if you truly have salvation, and it, it, it will come to a point that God may have to take your life, um, that that the soul can be saved. But uh, yeah, I mean that's what we see in the scriptures. Well, good morning, everybody else. Anyone else want to jump up here? Did that answer your question, Arnett? Yeah. Let's see. Hey, Josh. Welcome. Welcome. Yep. Is speaking. Okay. Good morning. Um, you can call me Anat. I'm from Florida. Okay. Um, I'm I'm uh I'm, I'm a Thai people. Right now in Thailand, the Christian in Thailand they discuss about this topic really seriously about the salvation yeah, of the yeah, of of the same sex marriage couple. Um, the one side, they said um, they uh, they have to repent unless they cannot get salvation. Let's say they have to separate, you know, like the gay couple. They have to separate. They cannot practice homosexual and get salvation. They need to they, they need to choose. But another side, they said, um, "Hey, we are Christian. We save by faith alone. Sola fide, you know. Then then even they do sin." We know that we know they are sin, but but if they have faith in Jesus Christ, like a, by faith alone, then um, practice homosexual is 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 a part of work, not not a part of faith. Then 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 they they can get salvation even they have practiced the homosexual. Then that's why I ask you guys opinion. What what you guys think? The like a 
แล้วก็ if 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 we say that they have to repent how can we explain the solar f e e day how can we explain the efficient chapter 2 what is to 9 something well, like that say, yeah i would say that's kind of like what we were talking about yesterday like like the law right like how were people saved in the in the old testament during the time of the law well it wasn't the law like you know paul even says the law has no power to save the law has power to condemn So mm-hmm. when Abraham, it says Abraham was saved, uh, you know, his he had he believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. It's yeah. that right. So when when Abraham believed God, he had faith in God. So that was counted as uh, you know that was counted to him as righteousness. When people had the law and they followed the law, um, that was counted to them as righteousness, not because they followed the law, but because they had they had faith in God. If they they had faith mm-hmm. in God, so they did what God said, which was follow the law. So if they had not had faith in God, they would not have followed the law. Like that, like that's a way to like demonstrate or express mm-hmm. their that they believe God. Because if they're like, no, your God isn't real. Well, why would they follow a God that they? Why would they follow a law that they think is not is not real? Because God's not real. So the fact that they mm-hmm. believe God, they knew God, and He said do something, they did it. So I'd say, I mean, it's very similar. Like, do they really have have faith in God? Um, because if they have faith in God, they're going to do what God says to do. So it's by faith alone. But if they're like hooking up with their same you know same sex partner or whatever every all the time. If they really had faith in God, just like the ancient Israelites, mm. then they would do what God says. God says, "Don't do this. It's not your work. It's demonstrating." But the problem, faith. the problem right now is um, there there is some like a. Have you heard about the affirming theology? What that is it? They, affirming theology. Affirming. Is, yeah, is they believe that um, homosexual practice is not seen anymore. They believe that. I know. Yeah. Then, 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 according to according to their their in, interpretation, the homosexual is not sin anymore. That's why they don't. They said it's not sin. Then they don't have to repent. That yeah, absolutely a sin. Then, yeah. then, <laughs> then, 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 my question is um, they in their will, homosexual is not sin. Then they don't have to repent, but. How about their salvation? You know, <laughs> that what I that what I'm asking. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we'd say, and yeah, I'll let some other people talk too. But I'd say what we've all said here, which is, yes, it's absolutely a sin. It's absolutely an abomination <laughs> to God. That, along with everything else, right? It's like someone's like, I like murder. I like murdering people so much. Oh, I, you know, I just like murder. Like, I trust, I trust Jesus to save me. But you know, I'm not going to stop murdering people. It's like, okay, well, do you really have faith in the God you say? Because He says all murderers are going to have their part in the lake of fire. So, are you really exercising faith alone in Christ, like you're saved by grace through faith? But if you <laughs> truly had faith. You would not murder people. So I mean, you know, the LGBTQIA plus P people don't get a pass. They're in the same boat as everyone else. If you want to live in, you know, unrepentant sin, best case scenario, your heart is true, your heart is pure, and God's going to mm-hmm. kill you to prevent mm-hmm. you from living that lifestyle. Worst case, then you're not truly exercising faith because if you did, you would not be able. Like you know, the Bible says we are a new creation. So if you're truly in Christ, mm-hmm. you're, the Holy Spirit is going to pull you away from this. So even mm-hmm. if you think, oh, well, it's you know. Whatever they think, like the Holy Spirit is going to nudge them into truth and and correct mm-hmm. theology, and if they don't do that, then you know either they're unrepentant and, and they know on some level it's wrong, and God's going to stop them one way or another to save mm-hmm. their souls, mm-hmm. or they're never really saved. Um, that I mean, that's that's the answer. And if they want to like you know continue going back and forth, um, mm-hmm. then you know 
that's their choice, and I think they're wrong. So, I mean, neither one of these is good. Either they're not saved and they're going to, you know, be in hell forever, or they're going to meet their quick demise on this earth to preserve their soul. So mm-hmm. don't do that either way. There, there's no good outcome here. Mm. Yeah, Can I agree. give an answer as well, Nate? Just a quick one? Yeah, Chris. All right. So what I would say here is the connection between sexual immorality and idolatry is best understood in the context of 1 Corinthians 6, 8, which says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sin a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. But we have to remember the body of believers are the temple of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Pagan idol worship often involved perverse and immoral sexual acts performed in the temple of a false god. When we use our physical bodies for immoral purposes, we are imitating pagan worship by profaning God's holy temple and his name with the acts he calls detestable. That person does not enter the kingdom of heaven. And Chris, uh, what would you say about like what Arnett was saying about, um, you know, the affirming theology, right, where they somehow, I don't know how, but however they justify that uh, homosexuality is not a sin. I, I have no idea how they do that because there's so many places in the Bible. But what would you say about that to, to people that, like, I guess legitimately don't think this is a sin anymore? Because the sexual immorality, I, I mean, I'm totally with you, but to play, you know, their advocate for a minute. What would you say to that if they're like, well, yeah, I, I wouldn't sin sexually. That's why we got married. Uh, what would you say to that? Because I don't know what else to say that the Bible doesn't say like 20 times over. No, what would yeah, you say it, to that? I, I would agree with everything that you said prior to me speaking. Um, to stay in sinning, uh, being in a, a gay relationship to me is living in your sin. That's like you going out and robbing a bank every day of your life thinking you're repenting to God and you're saying, oh, I'm all saved now from faith alone, but I'm going to go out and keep robbing banks every week. You, you can't keep doing the sin that you did before. The Bible tells us that when we are born again, we have a complete change within us. We have a spiritual change. That's the promise by our God, is that when we have that born again, when we truly become Christian and follow Christ, we have that spiritual change within us and we reject that old man. We reject our old selves. This is what the LGBTQ isn't doing. And they're negating all of this. They're throwing away the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to change one spiritually. And they think that they're their own God. To me, that's disgusting. Uh, so what I'm hearing is you would say what you just said and, you know, stand by the Bible and call it a sin. And if they keep saying, well, it's not a sin, it's not a sin. Well, great. You know, do what you want. We've we've done our job. We've told you if you reject this, if you reject the Bible, that's our stance. You need to repent and stop it. And if they say, no, no, it's fine. It's not a sin anymore. Then fine. The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, it does not seem that's what you're doing. <laughs> so, you know, you're responsible to God for your choices. But we've told you our conviction. Yeah, I, I, would dust, I would dust off my feet at that point. Uh, well, Arnett, that is... Um, I have two more questions. Um, the first question is, um, if they are LGBTQ, but they don't have practice homosexual, okay? 
they are LGBTQ just just being gay but not doing gay just yeah. being just just have something like a have well, feeling about the same attraction so can i give this answer Nate because i'm a criminal i'm not a criminal because i commit crimes i'm a criminal because before i was christian i did commit crimes okay i was i bad but because i'm born again and saved under the grace of christ i'm still a sinner i'm still a, i'm still a criminal right but i don't do those criminal activities that i used to mm-hmm. so if somebody used to um have sexual immoral relations mm-hmm. and then they come to the god of israel like jesus the true triune god the father the son and the spirit and they repent of all of their sins and then they start striving for a life that is in 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 sight with their god that he's already commanded and that what they did before was a sin and they stopped doing that sin then yeah that that person to me is showing the spirits of the uh, showing the fruits of the spirit they have and he's doing change. exactly have what to, i just they have explained to change from being gay to be straight yeah, yeah, they do. that's that's wait wait hang hang on well th- hang on uh, well, whenever you say being gay, like what is being gay? You just have an yeah, attraction that, that, or you're... That, that, or, well, hang on. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get I'm, I'm just... Okay, look up, look up, look up. No, no, Arnett. Hang on. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I'm rephrasing Good, good, good. So, so, I mean, whenever you say go from being gay to being straight, what does that mean? Is that actions? That is rhetorical. Don't answer. Is that actions or is it just like, no, I'm going to have an attraction to the same sex for the rest of my life. I can't change that. Like I can't... Like mm-hmm. they're not attracted mm-hmm. to women they're attracted to guys well don't act on it you know don't, don't mm-hmm. dwell on it don't lust on it don't act on it so that would be a great time to practice celibacy so if they're like oh well you know if i was going to be in a relationship it'd have to be a homosexual one great don't be in one <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that that's what i think like you know no, because you know that that's again these people are not special everyone is in the same boat you know i'm straight and you know i have a pretty healthy uh, you know appetite for things like that um, but what do I do? I mean, I don't go have a harem of women. I don't go hook up with prostitutes. Um, you know, if, uh, in my carnal nature, um, if I didn't have uh, any, any reason not to, I mean, you know, I love my life, love my family, love God, who also says, Hey, fornication, you know, sex outside marriage is a sin, by the way, have one spouse. Um, if none of that was a thing, that's exactly what I'd be doing. Just like maybe Chris down there, if he didn't have any reason not to rob banks or well, whatever he said, not to be a criminal, then he would probably go be doing that. But between God, his family, like whatever other reason, you know, he does not do these things anymore. And, you know, Paul says, look, some of you were thieves. Um, so instead of being a thief, stop stealing and work hard so you can now give to those in need. It's like, you know, so, such were some of you people. So the point is, uh, no, like if someone is straight and likes lots of women, well, don't do that. Don't lust on that. Don't dwell on that. Don't act on that. Just, you know, be happy with one spouse. Uh, if you're a man, be happy with one wife. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that's what I would say. I think that's, and then, I think that's going to be, the brother Nate, if I can, if I can just add real quick, you know, the, uh, the LBGTQ, uh, community is not a secret society of sinners where the, their sin is different than anybody else's. For one thing, you know, there is no hierarchy of, you know, of sin. You know, when people are trying to say that, you know, that they were born this way or anything like that, the fact of the matter is when we look at scripture, it is unambiguous. You know what I mean? When it comes to 
um, how God looks at that type of behavior. He has a complete disdain, you know, for that particular um, behavior. You know what I mean? And and it, you can't, and it's un, you can't compromise the word of God. That's just what it is. Just like you just can't compromise with someone being an adulterer, a liar, a thief. You can't. You know what I mean? The fact that this particular community gets elevated, this sin gets elevated. Why? Not not saying when when we talk about it doesn't mean we're just we're just having a discussion about it, right? You know what I mean? But at the same time, all sins is on the same level. It's um, the glorification, self exaltation of oneself doing something independently of God. That is what sin is. That is what it is. And when a person constantly pursues that, you know what I mean, in their mind or in their actions, you are you are sinning. Well, That's yeah, but we, right. Okay. I agree with everything you said, but we moved on from that. So this is this is now talking about the person who is not actively pursuing that in action or mind. So to so the person who is not actively, like I agree with what you said, we and we addressed that I think before you got to stage. So yeah, we all agree on that. Well, I mean the people speaking. But yeah, so this is to the person who is not actively pursuing that in mind or action. And yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a pretty consensus, uh, pretty good consensus that, you know, if if you say, well, if you have to hook up with someone, it's going to be a gay person or someone outside of wedlock and a gay person, then no, don't do that. But if you're not doing that, well, then great. Just be celibate and I don't know, work really hard for God, just like Paul did, right? Like, you know, Paul, Paul, um, says, you know, if, if it's possible, you should be as I am. So you can dedicate all of your time to God and just not have any relationship entanglements uh, because that takes time. It takes energy. I mean, good Lord, it takes a lot of work. Um, think of all the time you could be dedicating to God. So maybe that's their calling in life. Um, yeah. If one wants to read these scriptures and come to the understanding that they willfully want to ignore the warnings and don't want to yield to the transfer, the transformation power that the holy spirit will give that individual and they willfully want to ignore it that person we have to therefore what dust our feet off and that person yeah. is left to his own devices you know what i mean therefore he's putting the judgment on god onto him or herself willfully doing that and what do you think about this angie did you want to say anything about this topic welcome by the way Actually, I did. Um, you guys kind of covered it. And, and mine's is kind of like an angel advocate because I never call myself a devil's advocate. <laughs> um, because when you look at the word of God, there are, there are no scriptures that actually say that you are condemned to hell for sin. Now, we all say that you know, homosexuality, we make it seem like that's like the worst sin. I do not condone homosexuality. However, that it, when I look at sin, I look at it on the same level because it says God is not a respecter of persons. When you, and, and I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm just giving my opinion. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not that knowledgeable as you guys. But if you look at Romans 10, it said, if you should confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you are saved. And it says, because with the heart, the man believes unto righteousness and with his mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So if that person got saved, that's salvation. We can't take that from them. 
another scripture says, if you uh, go to like Ephesians um, 1 and 13, it says, whom ye also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after that ye believed, which is believing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So who are we to believe that we can unseal the Holy Spirit from a person just in our thoughts because God, his thoughts are higher than ours. So we can assume that, yes, a person is in sin. They are practicing sin. And we've always been taught in every church, I believe, from from coast to coast, that sin does condemn you to hell. But when you read the word of God, it says that if you are saved, um, under the articles of salvation, and then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, we cannot say that a person is not under salvation. And a person who is under salvation, again, we can't say that they are condemned to hell. Now, in 1 John 1 and 8, it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That doesn't mean that we're not supposed to repent. We're supposed to mortify the flesh daily. We're supposed to get rid of that sin. We're not supposed to practice in it. But when I, now up until about three months ago, I used to think to myself, a person who committed suicide or a person who was a homosexual, automatic uh, death, um, you know, separation from God, you're going to hell when the, when you depart this life. But there, you when you look at the word of God, there's actually no specific thing that addresses that that person is going to hell. It just says a separation, um, a spiritual separation from God. That was just my opinion. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. And uh, Michael, sorry, this topic may, may not be the most conducive to you because you're just like, yeah, whatever, do what you want. <laughs> but welcome to say hi to you anyways. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to say hi to Michael real quick. Morning. Morning, Morning Michael. Your presence here. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, I've, I've, I've been, I'm doing a little bit of work in the background too. Um, work always gets in the way of my private life. It's such an inconvenience. Um, but yeah, you, you know, we can all just um, relax because sin's not a thing. So it's okay. Every, everybody just try to be good humans. Sweet, Michael. Well, so I just want to read a verse. Hang on. I'm going to let you read the verse. I, I just wanted to say, you know, hi to our, you know, regular, uh, regular, I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead, hang Chris. on, hang on. Don't, don't I have... <laughs> Don't I get like customary, uh, you know, like co-host by now? Come on, come on. I Ivan said hi to you though. <laughs> All right, Chris, what's That's the scripture? True. So I'm going to read, and I, I hope that other people do read uh, Timothy chapter one, and I'm going to read verses eight to eleven. So I think that we should take our theology from the Bible, of course. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and the irreligious. So these are the unholy and the irreligious about to follow. For those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexual immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and for liars and for perjurers and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Hello, Chris Roth. 
Do you have any uh, have a guilty conscience? Anything you need to confess? I mean, all kinds of stuff. But what's going on this morning? Uh, well, the question, since you are fresh ears, was uh, we've been talking about this ever since. But um, can someone who is in a apparently unrepentant, uh, you know, homosexual marriage uh, still be saved? So, like, they they recognize um, uh, they recognize Jesus as Lord. Uh, you know, they they believe he rose from the dead. They believe all the stuff required for salvation in this scenario. They are just unwilling to stop their homosexual marriage and stop engaging in what the Bible calls sin. Can that person still be saved? Is that person still saved? I mean, you'd ask the same thing about somebody who's living with their girlfriend. I mean, yes, yes. So that, yeah, yeah. yeah. What would you say to that I mean, too? Because it's the same answer. Luke, eight, Luke eighteen. It's repent and believe. Jesus said, repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. It's not just mental ascent. All right. Well, anyone else have anything to say on this, or is there a different question? I think that's been pretty well covered. God bless I you, Chris. I would just say uh, that, you know, St. Paul said that, you know, whenever we sin, it's no longer us, but remaining sin in us that does it. But, you know, we're still guilty as if we'd done it even though he tries to draw a distinction in between the two. And uh, what we do is, this, as you mentioned, mortification, nail the remaining sin to the cross. And so that's what these people are not doing, is they're uh, not nailing it to the cross. I, I have a great joke here, but I think it would be too offensive to the present company if I won't use it. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> uh, Chris, you weren't here yet. Hey, so, oh, hey, so Trump, yeah, yeah, Trump ahead, gets arrested again today, doesn't he? Uh, he's in court. I don't know if he's going to be arrested, but you know, oh, gosh, I was going to say no politics or aliens today. I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I shouldn't have dropped a grenade. I apologize. Dude, are we going back to the plot of DS9? Because that was hilarious yesterday. <laughs> oh, please be something in chat. Please be a chat and quit. Because, hey, Michael, I don't know if you were here for it, but the question was posed. What if angels are just shape-shifting aliens? And then I went on to kind of obliquely describe the entire plot of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and just yeah, kind of clowned on that idea for a while. Yeah, my, my yesterday was psychotic. I didn't get a chance. I, I wasn't, I essentially wasn't on social media yesterday. I was super busy. Um, but no, yeah, it's it's funny. You can, I, I, DS9 is the one Star Trek I never got into. I just, I couldn't get into it. I tried really hard. I couldn't do it. Um, but that, that's interesting thought on, 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 uh, on angels. And, uh, and then, you know, what if Q, what if Q is God? Yeah. I mean, oh boy. so, um, an equal, an equally as obnoxious topic is, uh, rich. What would we do without you? It says, so King David and, uh, Jonathan were, uh, going against God. Anyone want to speak to that? As ridiculous yeah. as it is, it's better King than Deep David, Space Nine. King David did go against God. He was punished. People not read that in the Bible? Oh, actually, no. He means, actually, he means he's, in, he's insinuating because they're gay. 
Jonathan David, how it talks about how they were really good friends. And they're like, oh, really good friends. They were like gay, gay pals. That's where he's going with that. Oh, oh. I thought you meant. Yeah. Uh, Wait, where is this that? Uh... It's oh, sorry, not. He's reading into it uh, like a cult level, like a fan fiction cult level reading. What's way I worse like... is that David, David's the one who cheated and uh, God killed his son. Even though the Bible says that that uh, a man won't be punished for the sins of his father, which is weird. But you're saying the wife didn't cheat, brother? Is that what you're saying? Well, so so according to the Bible, if it, I, I could be mistaken, but whether whether David cheated or the wife cheated, it was still his son that died. Wasn't right? it? Wasn't it their son that died? Who cares? Why? Why on earth? Did the did the child die for the sins of the mother or the father? Context. The go child. back and read where it says, you know, where go back and read where it talks about in the law, you know, no longer is, is whatever gonna be passed down to the third and fourth generation. Like on some parts it says, you know, the iniquity will be, and then other parts it won't be. So I'd say, you know, let's find both passages. And by let's I mean you know this some other time because it's gonna take a long time to read all this stuff. But you know, some says it will, some says it won't. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is talking to the people of Israel, how you're not going to hold people accountable to, for sins of their fathers. This is not holding God accountable, um, you know, to the laws he doles out. The, the, the most uncharitable thing you could say is um, God is saying, do as I say, not as I do. That's like the, that's like the worst way you could read that. Okay, but I think let's, be really, let's be really clear. God does not punish people, other people for your sins. And in the passage, God does not kill the baby. It is prophesied that the baby will die. Now, it is, is it in God's decretive will, just like every other atrocity? Yes. Um, is it as a direct result of the sin? No. You can't prove that from the passage. But, you know, and the other thing is that Exodus does not teach that sin is passed down to the third and fourth gen generation that's yanked out of context by charismatics. Also, if God, <laughs> if God takes the child at that young of age, we know that that child is going to paradise to be with God because we know that there's an age of accountability and that child was taken before the age of accountability. So that child went in heaven with his Lord and Savior. I don't, I don't think that that's a bad thing. Oh, hang on. This will be fun to start a fire amongst Christians. So, Chris, is it absolutely guaranteed that that baby's going to heaven? No. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. You guys fight amongst yourselves. Oh, Chris, you disagree with that? Yeah, I think the age of accountability is made up. You can't find oh. scripture for it. But now well, what we do Wait, have that's is... Two different... Hang on. Uh, that, that was two different things, right? Was yeah, you disagree true. with the age of accountability. Michael's demon question was, do you think that kid is in heaven? And I think, you know, we, at least in this scenario, David seemed pretty sure. So, yeah. um, that two different questions, age of accountability. That's literally Chris the only agree. thing. Yeah. That's the literal, this passage is literally the only thing in scripture we have to hang our hat on, um, in terms of, uh, babies going to heaven. Um, so, you know, do we know for sure? No. Do we know either way? Do we know for sure? No. What I would say is we leave it up to mystery. Because the argument goes, otherwise, the most righteous thing to do would be to wipe out all of the babies every time they're born, and then they all go to heaven. 
Right, which is it's funny. A lot of a lot of non-Christian people like <laughs> they have interesting takes, right? And like then God, they also say they don't believe in. But you know, they will say that they're like, well, if Christians, you know, want everyone to go to heaven, why aren't they just like, why aren't they pro-choice and you know try to abort everyone? Because we we don't have a guarantee that we're right. We don't have a guarantee that every single baby goes to heaven. And by the way, you know, for the record, it's worth noting uh, when people you know think of like little little babies like flying off into hell's mouth or whatever. Um, like, oh, what did they do? Ba ba ba. That's our perspective, right? Like linear time. Like, you know, they're born in chronological order. But from God's perspective, it's worth noting, he knows their whole life just as if they live it. Like the the decisions, the choices, like the path their life took, whatever happened, he knows this. So from God's view, they may as well be a hundred. Like they may as well be a complete adult, just like you or me. So if they're getting judged and going off into hellfire, it's not a cute little baby spotless lamb child. Um it's a person that's fully made all their choices, all their decisions, and had their whole life. Um, God's like, yeah, I know exactly what they've done. They've already done it. They just haven't like chronologically played it out yet. So, Nate, so are keep we that saying, in mind. Are we saying just like we can say that there is no definitive scripture that says that babies go to heaven, but there are also equally we are saying that there's no scripture saying that definitively that uh, babies go to hell. But if we look at this. You know when it says, you know, all spirit returns to the one who gave, who give, who gave it, right? And if if the baby who was born into sin never actualized sin, you know what I mean? God is a just God. How can a person come to the understanding, theologically speaking, that God in his in his righteous judgment will send a baby to hell? To me, it just doesn't. We don't have a theological basis to come to that conclusion. Well, we do. Well, yeah, no one's saying babies go to hell. Wait, was yeah. that the thing? Like, no, no one thinks all babies are going to hell. Like no. we. But isn't that the alternative to Michael's question? If if they don't. No, it's 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 we it's we don't know. It's like like okay, so here's the here's the three right. Either every single baby goes to heaven, uh, which a, a lot of people believe, or every single baby goes to hell, which I don't think anyone believes, or maybe some babies go to heaven and some babies go to hell. Um, which, you know, some people believe. Th those are the three options. So no one is saying, like, it, it's unbiblical to say all babies guaranteed heaven or all babies guaranteed hell or some babies guaranteed heaven or hell. Like, the Bible is just very silent. Like Chris said, you know, like, the, the only one we have is David where he's sure he's going to see his son. But does that is that true across the board for everyone? Or, like, you know, some people talk about, like, Jeremiah, right? Like, I knew you before you were formed in the womb. And they'll say, well, see, since since God knew them, they they were like a soul. They had a soul or they're flying around in God's, you know, God's nursery or waiting room or whatever. So they just return back to God or I mean, you know, you, you don't get anything from just reading the scripture like you to get the baby answer. You really have to do a lot of like reading into it. So that's I interesting because I've heard I've heard people I've heard even you say, Nate, that, you know, so, you know, just, you know, just a plain reading of the text, you know, all you got to do is read the Bible. Um, and it's interesting. So I, I looked up. Because, you know, context is important, right? So I looked up Second Samuel 12, and it talks about uh, Nathan rebuking David. Uh, and it's because Chris said that, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I believe what you said was God didn't kill the child. Is that what you said? No. What I said, oh. well, uh, he's talking to me, Chris. There's oh, two yeah. Chris. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, so what I said is God did not kill the child as a secondary cause. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because it says here, it says, after Nathan uh, got home, this is Second uh, Samuel 12, verse 15. After Nathan got home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah, uh, that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. And then blah, 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 blah. And then on the seventh day, the child died. Right. And that's from our perspective. That's not from God's perspective. You, you said it was prophesied he was going to die, right? Well, yeah, it was, well, it was quote unquote prophesied in the verse before it says, Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sins. You are not going to die. But because of doing this, basically, because it talks earlier about how David sinned against God, uh, it says, but, uh, because, uh, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, um, the son born to you will die. Is that what you meant by prophesied, Chris? Because it was the verse before. You got to give me a minute. I got to hop in the shower because I got to go to a business meeting. But I will. Because I know. Oh, no, I get it. No, I. I don't think you're. I don't think you're. No, it's just a question, man. I don't think you're running away from anything. I think isn't it technically it could be uh, prophecy because it was stated by uh, you know by Nathan, and then it didn't fully come to fruition until the until the baby you know was in the womb of Bathsheba. So. I would say that it is grounds to say that it's a prophetic statement, but I'll leave that up to the uh, to the people in the in the group here. Oh, I, I don't care if you call it prophecy or not; it makes no difference to me. Nate, can I ask Are you a you question? Saying it's unjust, Michael. Yeah, Rick. Uh, yeah, Rick. Go ahead. Um. Well, I, I guess I have two questions. The first one would be: What justification is there for uh, any baby going to hell? What is the justification for it? Second question would be, if it is uh, because of the foreknowledge of God, knowing what the person would do had he lived to be 100 or, or whatever, uh, if that is the justification for it, what is the difference between that and God simply creating people uh, for eternal torment, uh, not based on anything that they've done, that they've literally done? Go ahead. So the, pri the primary justification for me answering this is out of our lack of knowledge so the by i mean remember just just for michael like you talked about you know nate says the plain reading yes so start with the, the plain reading of scripture for the things that are most important right so since the primary purpose of the bible is to point to jesus and eternal life and redemption of our creator to, uh, of us to our creator <laughs> that's the primary point that the bible says tons about because it's important the stuff about where babies go uh this is God's, you know, God is the judge. So the one thing the Bible ultimately says is whoever can make this determination and whatever the right answer is, God is the best guy for the job. So that's the one thing we do know. So we can like quibble and be like, well, you know, what about this? What about that? What's the justification? What's the, or we can just hand wave it away and say, look, whatever the right answer is and whoever the best one to determine what the right answer is, we do know the Bible absolutely says this is God. God is the right guy for the job. So whatever right is, that's what's going to happen. Um, anyways, the justification for the other stuff we talked about, it's the lack. It's when the Bible is silent. You know, it usually behooves us to be silent. Um, and the Bible is relatively silent. So, you know, we can we can like loosely apply stuff in the scripture. And like, you know, um, like baptism doesn't save. Um, you know, what happens if you're born or if, if you die, you know, through abortion or something like that before baptism is even viable? Um, so all these other doctrines we can very, very loosely apply. 
but that, that's the justification for our answers. Like the Bible is silent, so we should be, and we don't really know. Ultimately, it's God who knows everything. So if God is holding, like if, if people have made their own choices, like bef somehow before they've even been born, um, if, right? Because like we have more of a firm ground to stand on if we know any of these scenarios are true. But since there's no way to know if any of these premises are true, it's just a mystery and we have no idea. So if God just, well, yeah, so, so if God doesn't like, you know, if someone doesn't sin until they actually commit the sin, um, that would be one scenario. If, uh, you know, these babies or whatever, before they're even born, like somehow made all their life choices. And that, uh, you know, at that moment, whenever that happens, um, that counts as sin against them. And they don't have to wait until they actually play out that sin in their, in their natural life. That's a whole different direction. And we just have no clue if any of this is true or how true it is. Go ahead, Rick. Well, I don't think the Bible is entirely silent about it. Um, you know, we, we have the example of David. Why would David think that he will see his son again because he died as an infant? Um, well, because you know, for, the, for the very reason that he, he didn't live to commit any sins. Uh, and the other Wait, thing we don't, we don't, well, I, hang on, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I just want to be accurate. We don't know that's the reason. All we know is David is confident he'll see a son. We can't then rightly read in and say, well, that's because he knows he has no sin. Do you we know another know reason? Does anyone know? No, of another? no, no, no that, that's what I'm saying. That's the entire argument. No one knows. All we do know from reading the text is David is confident he'll see his son. We don't know the reason why. We can infer, but we can't say we know that. I don't well, know. It's a perfectly good answer. No, 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 no. I, I think I think some things are obvious, but the other thing I would say, uh, another reason I would give, uh, uh, is the nature of God, because the nature of God is love and mercy, right? If He can save, He will save. I believe. Uh, I, I think most of us would agree with that. Uh, you know, and, and uh, guilt. And innocent, uh, as it pertains to us, is based on our deeds. You know, if, if there are no deeds, I don't see how guilt can can be uh, applied. Uh, even though we are born, you know, with a sin nature, uh, you know, guilty by birth, I get that. But at the same time, you know, there's the blood of Christ uh, that atones for us all. Uh, so... You know, at least those those that believe, and I, I I know there's an argument that can be made both ways concerning babies that die, but at the same time, I think there's a lot more evidence, uh, you know, concerning God's love and mercy uh, and willingness to save. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I have to come down on the side of, uh, you know, I I believe for what it's worth that all babies go to heaven. Yeah, I think it's I just wanted to just before because I'm not that smart and the, the slot will leave my head if I don't say it now. Um, Rick, I think you I think it actually you'd be better served if you just said, you know, God had his reasons. Right. Because a minute ago you said, you know, you know, God is, is kind and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he, he will save if he can. And I mean, there's no, and I don't want to go down the, the rabbit hole of, of logic here and stuff like that, because then Nate just searches for a hammer to hit himself with. But, but, but the reality is, is there's no, there's no contradiction in, in God. Like if, if he's, if he's all powerful, right, then th there was no, there's no problem with him just saving, sa saving David's baby. Like that, that didn't have to happen. 
But, I mean, like the Bible says that, you know, God draws near to the people he wants to, and he doesn't to the people he doesn't want to, right? And, you know, I think it's Ephesians 1 that says everything is done for his purpose. You'd be better served, and, and honestly, not that, it, not that it should matter to you, but like, like an atheist like me would respect you more if you said, look, God has his reasons, and he just did what he wanted to do, rather than try to apologetic your way around, you know, a, a horrible thing in the Bible. Respectfully, respectfully, it doesn't matter to me uh, if you respect me or not. Uh, I'm talking about God. I'm talking about what we see in the scriptures. Uh, and there's a much stronger case for for love prevailing uh, in these matters, uh, at least in my opinion. Well, I mean, what you said, like, you know, much stronger case. I wouldn't disagree. So like if someone says, you know, what, what must someone do to be saved? Great. There's no ambiguity. Repent. Believe the gospel. You must be born again. Ask Jesus to give you eternal life, and he will give you eternal life. I will stay, you know, I will die on that hill. That's what the Bible says. There's no mistaking it, even though people really try. Um, there's not. But then if someone says, like, about this, then I would, I mean, I would probably follow on your side, Rick. I'd be like, well, for this, there is a stronger case to be made. But I can't say with the same degree of certainty, because there's much less scripture about this topic uh, than salvation, which I will stake my claim on all day long. But about this, I'd say, we don't know. And then I would say, you know, instead of we don't know 50-50, I'd say, we don't know. But uh, I believe there is a stronger case for what Rick is saying. But if someone says, so that's the right answer, I'll say, I don't know. But there is a stronger case, I believe, for this. And so the circle goes. So, I mean, I'm not disagreeing other than to say an absolute. Because we have much less evidence. And by the way, it's much less important. I mean, I'm sure the baby thinks it's important. But compared to, you know, all of all humans everywhere all 110 billion people of us ever lived. I'm sure mothers think it's important. More than their own soul? I would say no. I, I would say, Some I cases. mean, you know, maybe I'm a selfish person, but I'd say, you know, my salvation is the utmost importance. Like, you know, if, if I if I tell my kids, if I train my kids right, you know, like the Bible says, train them in the way they should go and they won't depart when they're older. Um, if I teach my kids about Jesus and everything, and then they're like a, uh, you know, end up not being a Christian or rejecting God or whatever. Um, and then, you know, I can hear the atheist saying, well, I couldn't live in eternity if I, again, thinking their premise is true. We don't know what we're going to be like on the other side of eternity, how much we're going to know, how much we're going to remember or care. But for me, I'd be like, no, my salvation is primary because I'm the one who matters most between me and God. Like, I mean, you know, there's God and there's me. There's no one else. But not, so then I, I certainly, well, to finish, I certainly want my kids there. But the point is, if I'm a parent and my kid is is like on their way to hell, then I'm not going to throw away my own salvation because of them. Like, But some people ahead, would. I mean, even, even the Apostle Paul said in the scriptures, you know, I, I would wish that I myself would be cursed so that they could be saved. So, I right. mean, see what you're saying. Not everybody is of the same mindset. Well, right. Okay. But, but that's, a, I, I mean, I would argue, I, I mean, not as much as salvation, but I'd also pretty much die on this hill. Like that's a stupid position. Something has gone wrong in their brains. Uh, you know, if they can like wish themselves eternal torment um, to save other people, that's like the airplane thing. It's like, you know, trying to save other people on the airplane while you're, while you're not taken care of. It's like, take care of yourself and then you can take care of as many other people as you can. Um, it's the same thing. So someone's like, and, you know, I, I would want context. Like, I've often wondered about that about Paul. I haven't really looked into it. Um, I, I don't I don't remember ever. But, you know, where he's like, you know, seemingly willing to damn himself to hell forever uh, to save some other people. I, I would really want to, like, dig into the context of that. Um, and, you know, 
if someone really does that, I guarantee, you know, in like 10 seconds in hell, they're like, you know what? I changed my mind. I changed my mind as much as I care about that other person, as selfless as I want to like project myself as being, I changed my mind. I want out of here. Um, and that's my humble opinion because I don't know. Maybe there's some people that's like, oh, hell is hot, but I'm glad I made that answer and sacrificed myself. But we all know that doesn't matter, right? Because we all know you can't sacrifice yourself. You can't give up your get out of hell card to put someone else in heaven. Like, so, I mean, even if they want to, that's just fanciful thinking because that's not reality. And the Bible is clear on that. Salvation is between, you know, God knows the heart. So you can't give up your salvation for someone else. So even if someone would, it doesn't work that way and you can't do it. I, I do agree with you, then, I think, Nate, that I think that self-preservation is the most basic given instinct. Given by God. Or evolution. Well, Rick, uh, <laughs> Rick, you want to follow up on that? What do you think? I mean, even even if you did find someone that was willing to do that, um, I mean, they can't. Well, of course they can. <clears throat> I'm, I'm just saying that not everyone has the same mindset that you have or that I have. Okay. But, and, and you know, this stemmed from my comment, I think, that uh, a lot of mothers would think that it's very important. Uh, and a big deal whether or not baby heaven. So, you know, well, well, right. That's all I'm saying about it. I, I agree, but you know, keep keeping us on keeping us on track. You know, it started off with it was like a, it was this leaning towards um, I'm like, well, who would care? And then you're like, mothers. And then you're like, some mothers. Okay, well, some mothers are not all mothers. Surely there's some mothers on the side. I mean, I mean, goodness, like my mom told me once when I was being like a punk teenager. Um, she's like. Look, I told you, you know, right from wrong. You know what? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not gonna. If you want to keep doing what you're doing, keep like living your life. That's fine. I'm going to heaven. Like, I don't care what you do. I don't care what my husband does. Like, I don't. So there are some mothers, <laughs> like mine, right? So you, you can say I'm sure some would be like yours. Uh, you know, like your example, the ones that would care more, even though they can't do anything about it. Um, but we can't say all, um, because there would definitely be some like, well, my real life example. It's like, look, man, you do what you want. I'm going to heaven. Hope I see you there. I'm like, well, holy crap. Anyone else have a thought of that? How about you, Saint? You've been quiet all morning. Or uh, Jabal. What's up, Jabal? I'm here, but I have nothing to say to that. Do you have any other question or topic? I mean, maybe. Um, I guess I'll formulate the question. What would rule out, like, from what, 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 on what basis can you rule out the interpretation? that Jesus's predictions about his second coming entail that like the next time the city is destroyed, that that should just correlate to the second coming. Bro, you ask this question once a month and we give you an answer and then you're not satisfied oh. and it goes on for an hour. Can you just repeat the answer? Well, can you repeat the answer, Chris? Cause I, I don't think I ever met Jabal or, or heard this yes, question you have, like four times. Oh, oh maybe. I'm a terrible moderator. Can you, can you just run through the answer real fast and then we'll move on, Chris? Because I, I don't remember it if I have heard it. So his specific question, I don't exactly remember. I remember going through it. Why don't you give us the scriptures? And then he has an incorrect interpretation of Matthew 24, I think it was. Maybe I could be I could be off on that. And basically his argument is that Jesus contradicts himself about his second coming. And so, you know, Christians are stupid. You know, we don't have any idea how to read our scriptures, yada, yada, yada. That's, that's the way it devolves. Oh, okay. 
Well, do you remember your answer? Or who was doing something? Were you getting scriptures? Or was... No, I mean, if you want to let him present his argument for the... Oh, no, I don't time. I, I don't want to hear a whole argument. I, I just sounded like you knew your answer, so I was just going to have you recite your answer. So we yeah, just I just don't on. remember. I don't remember the exact argument like, off where, the top of my like, head. Like, where is he going? Like, was this like a preterism type thing? Like, you know, 70 AD no. out... This is Jesus isn't God because he contradicts himself and he has no idea what he's talking about. Oh, and, okay. of course, the... You know, so. Well, let's talk to... <laughs> uh, when it rains, it pours. Hey, Mac. Hey, what's up, y'all? I just want to go back to the previous topic and read a couple of scriptures. And that's... All right. Put down the hammer. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to just read. And, and it's funny because they're actually both uh, two, I think, credible scriptures to the topic, but they kind of conflict on both sides of the argument. But I think they're you're just healthy to the, to the discussion. Um, one is John 3. Um, uh, John 3, 3 through 6. Jesus replied, Nicodemus said, Verily I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus says, How can someone be born again when they are old? He asks, Surely they cannot enter a second time to their mother's womb. I think that puts his squirrel into the context of people who are born of a mother's womb, including babies. Um, Jesus answered, though, uh, that question, Verily I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, which we know all babies are born of flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. Um, and so it, it's, it seems here that Jesus is speaking emphatically of being born again as a requirement for everyone to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that would be a hard argument to draw for a child, a baby, to be born again. That, that would be one side of the coin. <coughs> but if I could read this other scripture now, um, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 7, verse 14. <clears throat> it says, For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. The unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her unbelieving husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. So uh, it gives you two real um, uh, different sides of this. And, and, you know, maybe you can, they can find some level of harmony. But it seems here that um, Jesus is laying first a premise that you must be born again to enter the kingdom. Well, but then it does. Oh, go ahead, Nate. We're going to say something. Well, yeah, Jesus talks about, you know, born of the water and born of the spirit. So, I mean, you know, again, would would that apply? Like, context is key. So, you know, in the context, are they talking like super, like, in, in utero, like, you know, prenatal? Like, are, are, like, what is the context? Is this absolute for every single time? So, like, he says, you know, you must be born of the water and the spirit. But if, if we're talking about, well, I guess we're talking about little babies. I guess I'm thinking more like lines of abortion, like, before they're even born. Uh, so, they're not they're not born of the spirit. But they're also not even born of the water. Like they're they're not even actually born um, in that case. So then would we say, well, that that doesn't apply to them and, you know, free pass for heaven because, well, they're not born again, but they were never born at all. They, they weren't born once. So they can't be born again. They're not even born. Yeah, I, I would say so the, the pre-birth, pre-born of water, I think that's a different argument from the sense that now I, I believe and teach that God imparts the breath of life at birth. That's when life is given um, external and independently. But when, in this instance, if we're talking about like for the case of David's son or David's child, um, I can't remember if the sex was given, but David's child, let's, let's just say, um, David's child was actually born, you know. Um, and so when we're thinking about born children, we know many children who were born were sacrificed and killed and, and all these things. So, they, so that's the question of a born child. 
Um, I, be, I believe this puts squarely in the context of a born child. Um, you know, like born out of a mother's womb, born child, but it doesn't speak directly to someone who hasn't even been born of the flesh. Um, that I would say that that's a different conversation. But even even still, the, the other aspect of it is just this idea of you know the sins of David, and I think the scriptures read where it, it did say because of David's sin, the child would die, which does beg you know to some degree a contradiction to say, well, how is it? We can read where it says the children will not bear the sins of the father, but clearly this child bore the sins of his parents. No, and you death. just don't have the exegetical tools to understand. No, that I'm saying I'm not, I'm not drawing a conclusion, Chris. I said that, that that can lead to a fair question and then we can break it down. I think, you know, I'm capable of breaking it down, but I think that would be a fair question. But here you see first Corinthians seven, where there is some sort of a being made holy through the belief of the parents. Right. But that's again, that's not what the passage means. So, I mean, you're you're using a prima facie reading of it. Well, what you mean by me? I'm saying being made holy. That's all. It, that's what it says. Being made holy. Yeah, set apart. It just the means that they're member. That just means that they're members of the covenant community, because you don't understand covenants and how covenants work and what the covenant community is. That passage is a mystery, and so because I don't understand covenant. Don't understand. Now. Well, I mean, people who don't understand covenant theology and how the covenant of grace works. I'm not saying just you. I'm saying pretty much everybody. I mean, but no, you did don't. just say me, though. But well, I, do I mean, covenants you, you have, you, again, we, you have an insane understanding of the breath of life as well. I mean, like, I have a scriptural understanding. I mean, we could discuss it. No, you don't have a scriptural sense. understanding. You have an insane understanding that no one in the church has ever taken. Um, and it, for I a thousand years, verbatim the things that I teach. So yeah, I know. I, 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 I again, I know. And you can rip things out of context, and you can play with them just like you do when you try to. Have discuss church the leaders Trinity. ever twisted scripture, Chris? I'm sorry. Have church leaders ever twisted sure, the line? Just like okay. you do. So no. So so just because the church leaders, <laughs> you're said a master something, at twisting scripture. Okay, you're not, you're, not, you're not dealing with the point. So everybody has pretexts. You're not dealing with the point. The point, Chris, is being, okay. That's I, probably enough I, of if that. If I say I can Hang go on. with Mr. Raman, what's up? I've heard enough arguing back and forth. <laughs> what's up, Raman? Hey, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. What's on your mind? I'm trying to see if I. Oh no! <laughs> A new topic would be super. No, I'm trying to <clears throat> trying to think about any topics I had in mind. I'm sorry, I kind of just jumped on stage. Um, but I, I do know this professor guy, I do know that he's oneness. And I mean, when, when I read the plural of the creator, you know, it's all throughout the Old Testament and Isaiah and Genesis, like in Genesis 1, 27, where it says, let us create men in our image. Um, so I, I kind of don't understand oneness. And I, I guess maybe I can ask this question. You know, it, it is the Holy Spirit that guides us, right, to truth. So I do believe some people, when it comes to the oneness Pentecostals, um, I, I really do believe it's the Holy Spirit that they mean. So we do need to pray for them. We do need to have sympathy with them. But I'm not sure if going through scripture, through verse, it, it seems like it's kind of going to have to be the Holy Spirit that's going to lead them. I would not disagree. So yeah, that is it, but um, I don't know, I was maybe looking over Isaiah 9-6, you know, you know, talking about the everlasting Father, the Son that would be given to us. 
so yeah, it, it's kind of been on my mind recently. So it, it's funny that you do have this professor down, but just more of a comment, not really a question. All right. Uh, Saint, are you speaking yet? Or are you still not speaking? Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Michael, it's your time to shine. You still working? Or are you at a stopping point? Uh, off and on. Um, some of the conversation has been, yeah, been kind of had it going on in the background, which has meant that I've been editing files in the most hysterical way. Um, but no, it, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not sure if I've got, well, I, I think what's, in, I think it's interesting about what was said about, um, you know, the whole kind of like baptism and stuff like that. And all I keep on thinking of is, is, uh, baptize up here saying you have to be born of tears, you know, um, that's what just kind of keeps ringing on in my head. But the other funny thing is that Nate is, is, is as I've been glancing down every once in a while, like when you were coughing a second ago, you weren't on mute. And I'm just thinking about how you would have been like scolding everyone for not being on mute when they were, because I can also hear you clicking, typing in the background, which is funny, but yeah, that's doing, just me judging. I'm, I'm doing work today too. But wait, can you usually not hear me clicking and stuff when I'm playing Fortnite? Is, is my actual work um, more distracting than Fortnite? Uh, it might be. You, you seem to be clicking with, Almost like, like it was like it was like. <laughs> it was like that. I, I think that's what I'm typing. Um, yeah, I didn't yeah. realize it was that loud. So how will I know unless I'm told? How will you know about uh, uh, Jesus unless you're told? How will I know I'm clicking too much unless I'm told? Uh, yeah, I, I would have been irritated by. Um, I mean, you know, this this is why I'd be a great I'd be a great dictator. You know, do as I say, not as I do. So you know, rules for thee, not for me. Um, y you know, I say that to my detriment, but I, I would probably be a good one for the position. I'd be kind to my subjects to at first. Do you say that to your kids? Which one? Which part? Uh, rules for me and not for rules for the and not for me. Actually, kind of, <laughs> um, kind of tongue in cheek. Like usually, whenever I, uh, you know, I, I don't really drink soda, but I've I've been a bad boy lately, so I've I've kind of gone back down my my soda ways. And um, like you say, that's bad. You only want us to drink water and healthy stuff. Ah. I'm like, it's too late for me, kids. I'm like, learn from my example. I'm like, be better than me. Because, you know, that's that's like, the yeah, thing. It's, it's like, you know, lead by example. And it's like, you know, your kids like, um, you know, people, it's usually like morals are caught, not taught, meaning, you know, do what you want them to do, not just tell them and be a hypocrite. So, uh, yeah, that's my tongue in cheek way uh, of, you know, having my soda and encouraging them to be better than me. I'm like, look, I've got years of this under my belt. It's it's more difficult for me. I'm like, don't start this, <laughs> which the right answer is me to not do it either, which, you know, I'm, I'm just off the wagon of soda for a little bit. I will. I'm going to get back on that. <laughs> It, it is interesting. I did it with my daughter. It doesn't work so much well because now because my daughter's 26 and can tell me to just jump off a bridge if she wants to. But um, I, I did do it. Uh, I did do it when, when she was young. And I know that secretly it's like that old joke, right? The first time you say to your kids, because I said so, somewhere, you know, your your mother or father is in the back and going, yes, um, you know, because everybody like everybody says it in, in that point of, like, you know, exasperation. Because I said so, and uh, it's uh, it's funny. But I, I think I don't think it's funny. So by soda, you you mean pop, right? Oh, <laughs> pop. Yeah, I, I called it pop growing up, and now I've I've moved around out of the Midwest, and uh, turns out the rest of the country calls it soda. But yes, sodi pop. Yeah. Sodi pop. Yeah. Um, I I I don't find it to be that big a deal. I I do indulge it. That's kind of like my one thing. Like I don't smoke. I don't drink. Um, you know, I I only do drugs when I have to. Um, kidding, of course. Um, but but I do I do indulge in the uh, I do indulge in the soda pop. Yeah, I mean it's just you know they say like what eat your calories, don't drink them. 
And uh, I mean, you know, it's just well, so much well, yeah, sugar so, and stuff. Well, it's, so what I do is I just like I, I love I love Coke, but I I drink Coke Zero, right? Ah. Um. So it uh, yeah it it does it does taste. I mean, there's for anybody that says it tastes the same, I just <clears> want to <throat> kind of give you a slap because no, it doesn't. Um. But it tastes close enough, and yeah, I don't, I don't drink, you know, seventy grams of carbs every time I have a can. Wait, does Coke Zero is that the same? Is it like aspartame or whatever they use in diet? Is that a different ingredient than they do in like diet? Because like that stuff causes, like, I mean, as bad as sugar is, like, you know, cancer is worse. Is Coke Zero the oh, same no, ingredient no. as like diet? Yeah, no, it doesn't. So um, this is something I learned actually because my wife is a cancer fundraiser. Um, so. Uh, aspartame is in no way, shape, or form linked to cancer at all, ever. Um, the only thing that scientifically aspartame has ever been linked to is it's such a it does such a good job of mimicking sugar that it can provoke an insulin response from your pancreas. That's it. Well, such a good job, except in taste, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It doesn't taste the same. But again, I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink seventy grams of carbs when I have a can. So I, I used to always like think about that. Like, I we, there's this girl. Like, I was in like uh, high school, like nine, ten. Well, actually, I graduated with her. So, like, yeah, my whole high school. Like, she would like every day. I'd grab my like you know Mountain Dew or like regular soda, and she would like all she drank was like Diet Pepsi, like multiple Diet Pepsis a day. And then she ended up getting like cancer like shortly. Like, uh, I don't know, probably when I was in my early thirties, maybe. And, uh, and like dying from cancer. And I always thought, I've always heard that about diet soda. I wonder, I wonder what if she would have drink like, you know, non diet soda, but I mean, you know, I, I never researched it. I didn't look at peer review papers cause you know, don't really, not my thing. doesn't matter that much, but I just always kind of wondered, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess if it never causes cancer, then that may not have been her issue. So, so it's funny, a bunch of the stuff I learned from my, my wife who's just so much smarter than I am. So uh, on a long enough timeline, everyone will get cancer. Um, so often we die of other things, but on a long enough timeline, everyone will get cancer. And the reason for that is because all cancer is, when you break it down to the lowest common denominator, is rapidly dividing cells. That's all it is. Um, and that's why when you get chemotherapy, nine times out of 10, you'll lose your hair because the same cells, like the same cells that are in the follicles that, that, uh, that produce hair are rapidly dividing cells. So that's why it, it attacks, it attacks everything. But the, the thing most affected are rapidly dividing cells like hair and cancer. So anyway, that's enough fun facts for uh, fun facts for, what is it today? What's today? Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, yeah. Oh, Hey, uh, Thursday, I'm having a discussion on standing for truth channel. Uh, with a guy named Paul Price on uh, is there evidence for God? So if, if anybody's not familiar with that, SFT, he, he's, he's a fellow Canadian. His name's Donnie. Um, his, uh, his YouTube channel is Standing for Truth Ministries. Uh, and I'm going on to talk to this guy. His name is something Pilgrim. Uh, yeah, anyway, we're having what a discussion pilgrim? about evidence. Um, hang on. Now I got to... Now I got to look it up to see what what his name actually is. We're all anxiously waiting. Uncensored pilgrim. Hmm. I've never heard of any of these. Uh, I mean, that's, that means nothing. What I've never heard of someone. I've never heard of most people. Yeah. 
His name is Paul Price. He's he's a decent guy. He's done a few other discussions, and I've I've been on I've been on Donnie's channel a bunch of times, talking about other stuff. So it'll be it it is very specifically not a formal debate, uh, just just a chat. All right. Okay, so I actually did have a question. All right, go for it. Yeah, because last time Nate we had a discussion on Romans thirteen. I'm not sure if you heard of. It's called Christian Reconstructionalism. It, it, essentially, it's called theonomy. Um, it started like in the 70s and 80s. It kind of differs from the Reformed tradition. And they believe that the um, civil laws from the Mosaic age should be applied today as a guidance um, for God's people, essentially. So it, it sort of ties in into Christian nationalism, right? So I'm not sure what's your take on that. I know, Chris, you also follow the Westminster Confession, your reform. So I would just like your take on it. I don't know if I know enough to talk about. So what was the question again? Romans 13, like the Christian reconstructionalism, is that what you said? And ties yeah. into Christian nationalism, essentially. So... Because you have the moral laws, you have the ceremonial laws, and you have the civil laws. That, that's all in the Westminster Confession well, when we're talking about the Old Covenant. Well, I'm just con I'm just confused. Like, you're talking about Reconstructionalism, and then you talk about the ceremonial, yeah. civil, and moral law. Um, is that, like, what about that? What about those laws? W would you embrace a sort of Christian Reconstructionalist that's what frame I'm, that's, when it comes to... Uh, well, that's what I'm trying to say. Are they saying you have to follow the civil, ceremonial, and moral laws? Not, not the ceremonial. So they would say only the civil laws apply today. Only moral what? and the civil laws. No. From the mosaic. I, I mean, I may have a little, little different viewpoint. Like ultimately, mm -hmm. I, I would say you will, you'll pretty much follow the moral laws, but not because they are the moral laws. I, I Chris and I will disagree here. But I, I would say, you know, because we're not under the law, the law of sin and death, uh, but we're under the law of the spirit. So when the moral law says don't murder, um, well, I'm not going to murder, but it's not because that law tells me not to. It's because the law of the spirit also, I believe, is saying don't murder. So it, the fact that there's an overlap, like, you know, if we're following the law of the spirit, not the law of the sin and death, then, yeah, I, I think we'll end up keeping the moral laws, but not because the law of Moses tells us to, because there's overlap with, you know, the law of the spirit. Gotcha. I think Chris so and do I you would, believe yeah. there's... Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if Chris, you wanted to chime in as well, since I know you're informed, but do you believe that the Mosaic laws, civil laws, could be used as a guidance, at least, right? Like a general principle that we can take for them and apply them to today? Well, I mean, I think... To things like homosexuality, adultery... What you just said, civil law. Yeah. Wouldn't the homosexuality be under like moral law? So yeah, so this is where I'm coming in as well because what what I do know is during the colonial era, um, when they were establishing uh, essentially their own the Quakers and Puritans, I, I believe the Puritans were the ones that copy and pasted. They essentially copy Leviticus eighteen twenty two and just put it in their civil laws. Um, their, their, their law code um, for governance, essentially. So some, something to that effect, right? So we do have the moral laws, which 
um, in the New Testament gets fulfilled by Jesus. But what theonomists are saying is that, okay, what do we do with the old Mosaic law as well? Um, can we use this as a general principle, as, a, as guidance, right? Well, I mean, it's, it sounds easy when you say general principle. I'd say, you know, you can use lots of things as general principles for guidance. But then where it becomes more like, you know, oppressive or like, well, actually, you know, instead of guidance, now it's um, it's actually on the law books or it's actually punishable by fines and prison. Um, so, you know, there's lots of things I would say for general guidance. Sure. With like no penalty for violating. Yeah. Just like kind of nudging people in that direction. There's lots of things I'd agree with. But then when you start saying, well, you know, now let's legislate it, let's make penalties for not for going against it, um, then I that list would get a whole lot shorter. Gotcha. And that makes sense. Because when when, when what, what I see is that we live in a secular humanist society, right? So you're going to enforce their own laws, right? You're going to enforce their atheism upon the citizens. And, this kind of quasi-libertarian mindset, legalized weed, legalized drugs, legalized trans, you know, all that stuff. So when I see the Mosaic Law, I don't turn away and look away from it like a lot of Christians do. I'm like, you know, this could be used just like the Puritans used it um, in the colonial era as a guiding principle that we can use like a, like a guidance, right? Because um, at least that's my so I, 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 w I wouldn't, sorry, if I could just chime in for a second, Mr. You said something really interesting just a moment ago. You said something about people, in, you know, imposing their, their atheism. And, and I'm, I'm curious if, if you really have a, this will sound less terrible, I mean it too, if you really have a clear understanding of what atheism is, because um, it, it's, um, I, I'm sure you've heard of arguments before, you know, being like, you know, multi-pronged forks, for example. Um, atheism is like a chopstick. It's just one prong. Um, it's whether or not, like, there, and there, there are two kind of stances. So you maybe call it a two-prong fork. But it's, it's super simple. It's, do you have a belief in a god or gods? Uh, and then the stronger stance is, you know, believe in the gods, a god or gods don't exist. Everything else is something else. So you mentioned things about morality and homosexuality and all kinds of other stuff there. Those have nothing whatsoever at all in any way, shape, or form to do with atheism, right? And, and this, is, this is unfortunately a common mistake that gets made. And again, that sounds less terrible than I mean it to, but just as a, a point of clarification. Yeah, and just, just to rephrase it, I could have phrased it a little bit better, but I would say that secular humanism, which I believe is the governing authority right now, is more compatible with atheism. Like secular humanism, atheism, they tend to go hand in hand, right? So just just that clarification. I yeah, I think they, I think they do tend to go hand in hand, but you could be a secular humanist and still be. You could still be a. I'm not sure whether or not you could be like a Christian theist and be a secular humanist, but I think you could probably be a, a deist and be a secular humanist. So, so uh, being a secular humanist is not mutually exclusive to a God belief. Yeah, I agree with that. But that, that's an interesting question. Does does everybody think? Does does, it, does everybody here think or have an opinion on whether or not? 
someone could be uh, a secular humanist and be a Christian? I'm genuinely curious. Well, maybe politically. I because mean, uh, I mean, is I mean, I mean, you know, without going to the dictionary, which maybe I should. I mean, well, hang on. Okay, what does secular actually mean? I know everyone. I mean, I know it means like you know, um, like like with, what without God, without theism. Hang on, let's just. What what does it actually mean? Because we talk about it a lot. Here, more typing. Um, yeah, so attitudes, activities, or other things that have no religious or, or spiritual bias. So under that definition, you could, because you could you could be religious, but just not have, a, I don't know, a, a bias in how you enforce it. You know, unless someone tells me otherwise, I'm going to say, like, you could have a secular, uh, wow, words are hard. What's the thing you just said? Secular humanist attitude um, while maintaining, maintaining your own theism. So, like, uh, I mean, unless someone wants to correct me, but, I mean, if you define secular as you don't believe in any God or religion stuff for yourself, nor do you want it to be part of the world you live in. Well then no. Cause I mean, that would negate, like if you, if you're believing in a God, well then you, you can't be secular, but if you're just adopting like the political philosophy, I mean, it's kind of what we have, right? Like, you know, government won't make any, any rules respecting one religion or anything like that. Um, while there's still plenty of Christians that live in the society and, and probably hold these views, like not wanting to port to force rules and commandments of the Bible on the society they live in. Like for myself, I would say like the least amount of government possible. So like, you know, I believe in a God all day long, but when it comes to governing people, <clears throat> wow, I'm about to like choke and die. Um, I, I want government to be like as small as it can possibly be. So I mean, you know, obviously I'm not going to get my wish anytime soon, but I mean, the less rules, the less governance, the better. Where the so, contrast would be people who want to enforce basically the whole Bible and the Mosaic Covenant, even though they're not Israelites, <laughs> on people. Well, interesting. Go ahead, Mike. No, in interesting was my whole comment. Go. So, okay, so Mr. Ramon, what we're talking about here with theonomy, I would disagree with theonomy. I think theonomy is pretty destructive. I think we've seen over and over in the history of the church um, past the Reformation, and even before the Reformation, that when government gets involved <clears throat> with the church, the church always loses. And so, you know, we saw this in Geneva, we saw this with the Puritans, we saw this like over and over and over again in the Americas and in Europe. Um, you know, it, it has always been a disaster because just fallen people and even the most godly fallen people are still fallen people and they still do stupid crap so i think theonomy is a bad idea i'm not on the douglas wilson unless government better government our <laughs> uh, man what do you think about that hope we didn't burst your bubble or <laughs> yeah no no yeah and i mean for me it's like would i rather have the Crusades live under the Crusades, where there's bloodshed and violence and things of that nature, right? Or would I rather live in a society that is, and this is from my perspective, morally corrupt or bankrupt, right? So, and I know it's kind of like a false dichotomy, right? And 
I, I believe the Crusades, are, you know, they, they were justified to some extent. But when I see in Minnesota, for example, they're allowing the Muslim call to prayer now five times a day, um, it just makes me wonder, it's like, where, where is the political um, force of the Christians, right? What, what are we doing? And it maybe it also depends on your eschatological views as well. If you're more pre-millennial, you know, God's coming back, it really doesn't matter if you have political power, right? Or if you're amillennial, if you're post-millennial, maybe you're going to agree more with theonomy and Christian nationalism. So maybe perhaps eschatology matters in this discussion as well. Well, I don't really think so. I mean, going back to what we said, like, you know, you said they're they're allowing who, who, I mean, I guess who, the the municipality, the government, I mean, they're not forcing a Muslim call to prayer, um, but they're allowing it. So if a bunch of Christians wanted to ring church bells um, and they allow it, uh, and by allow, like, you know, just not interfere with, not stop, well, then why don't you do that? Go ring a church bell, like do a Christian call to prayer. Um, but I mean, you know, when I said <clears throat> my view would be the less government, the better, you know, take care of the big things, invading foreign lands, um, you know, wars, uh, you know, you know, the, the big things that we could all probably unanimously agree on. Like when it starts getting too sticky where we stop disagreeing easily, um, that's probably a good time to stop government. So under that, it's like, you know, gov- there, there's not a lot of government. So no one is forcing any religion or lack thereof. Um, it's just everyone do do their own thing. Like you've got minimal police force. Like, you know, no one's going to care about your your neighbor's dog pooping in your yard. You're going to have to, that's going to fall to you to deal with. Um, and then if, you know, someone gets murdered over it, well, then the cops will come. So, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it sounds like a Wild West kind of attitude, but, you know, I like that idea more than what we currently have. It's like, you know, an armed society is a polite society. I'm big on that. Like, you know, we should not be restricted in how we want to protect and defend ourselves and our families. And, yeah, like, I, I, I that's, that's my utopia. You know, that's my heaven on earth. Um, less government, more personal empowerment. Who here just hurt? Who here just had Belinda Carlisle song break out in their head? Come on, admit it. <laughs> Only the old people. Well, that includes no, Nate, I, That includes you. Yeah, and I, I differ a little bit, Nate. I, I tend to lean a little bit more theocratic, so maybe this is where we disagree. But I mean, again, I, like, I mean, if I had the option of being like the dictator, then you know, of our country. Then of course I would want big government, and I would want I would want to be the leader and the guy at the top. But you know, short of that, if I'm not in charge, then I don't want it. <laughs> can you tell, me my, only, can you tell me my only child? Is everybody familiar with the philosopher John Rawls? With what? John Rawls. He was a philosopher. No. He came up with this. Uh, he came up with this. This. Uh, this. Um, this hypothesis called the, the veil of ignorance. Um, and what it basically states is, you know, kind of, kind of what you said, Nate, like it, to expound on that. So basically, um, what, when you're designing a society, uh, if, if you had to, like, let's say everybody's on, you know, trap of the desert island, right? You design a, a society moving forward, not knowing where you're going to fall in the hierarchy. And that's the best way to guarantee everybody gets treated the same way. Because if, if you design the society, knowing like you just said, like, I'm the boss, Right then everything's going to favor you and you're going to be totally cool with whatever because you're the boss, right? But if you design a society not knowing where you're going to fall, 
everything's going to be equal. It's like when, um, when I was a kid, my, you know, it's like we would, uh, you know, have Sundays was a big thing, you know, family dinner on Sundays, right? Have family dinner, stuff like that. My mom always cooked a cook for storm and then she'd make a fancy dessert. So she'd bake a cake or a pie or something like that. And, um, you know, basically whoever cut the cake or the pie would be the last one to choose their piece. And like my sisters and I would, we'd, we'd be sitting there, we'd break out a micrometer, right? To make sure that it was absolutely fair and absolutely equal, right? And, and, and that's the, that's an instant. That's I think, I think the best way to, well, you know what, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. You say that. And it turns out, I mean, you know, that that's kind of where I fall, right? Like if I was in charge, then I'm going to design it differently. But if I, if, if I don't know, then yeah, let's do less, less government, more personal accountability, more personal responsibility, you know, your food, your family, your defense, all the stuff, your protection, security, it primarily falls to you then I, I like that. So if I don't know where I'm going to fall in the thing, let's do that. Um, but it's funny because whenever my kids like want to share something and they got to split it in half, um, I, I started, what I've come to is I'll, I'll make the oldest one divide it because, you know, they, they are just better at stuff like that. Um, and neater. <laughs> the, other, the other one's like a little gremlin. But anyways, I'm like, okay, so the oldest one, I'm like, you divide it. And then the younger one will pick the piece. So that ensures like fair uh, fairness because you know the older one is going to make sure that they don't try to to stack the the bigger piece on their side because the little one's going to get to pick it. So uh, I'm like, there you go. So you divide it, and you better do a very equal job because if one looks bigger than the other one, that's the one your sister's going to pick. And if you don't want her to have more, then make sure you do a good job of dividing it rightly. And so, so obviously, small small government, less government interference would also uh, would also transfer to your feeling that uh, you know people making healthcare decisions for themselves should be left. The government shouldn't be involved in that in any way, shape, or form, right? Um, yeah, I'm open. To, <laughs> I'm open to talking about that. Um, I mean, that's like a whole that's like a whole other thing. Like I was, I was pretty much thinking about laws forced on you and like you know uh, not not the side of like what should government give and you know how much of your tax dollars should you collect and how they should dole that out i was you know t- up to this point we've been talking about how how much the government should like um enforce upon you so if oh, we no, want to talk about funding so if we want yeah yeah funding well, right right yeah funding independent right right so i would want to think about that more so so i'd say for the enforcement side like for the laws and the bureaucratic red tape we live under, that's my answer. Um, now, for how much can we get from the government, um, where there's no penalties, no laws, nothing enforced on you? How much can we get? How much you know taxes do we have to pay, and what do we get for that? I'm more open to that conversation, because um, I mean, you know, on one hand, you know, the idea of healthcare sounds good, but there's a, a whole lot of stuff I would want to know. How much taxes do we have to pay for this, and how good could private entities and, you know, like, a, for example, Christian healthcare sharing and health cost sharing and uh, private institutions, could we rival or do better than the government? And would there be a time that they have to work together? So like that, okay. I would say that would be a wholly different category. And I'm more open to talking about that. But generally, the government just messes up stuff. And even if they just throw money at it, I think, unless someone can give me a very good example, how we can spend our own money as a private society better than the government can collect from all of us and spend our money for us. That's my okay. general stance. Okay, so let's assume for a second that money, mm-hmm. that money's not involved in this scenario. That, you know, basically that 
whatever you're going to do, you know, like, like your healthcare decisions, as long as you're not like, let's say you're not relying on socialized medicine, right? I'm talking about the decisions regarding an individual's healthcare and how they want to proceed with whatever it happens to be healthcare wise. You don't want the government involved in that either, do you? Uh, give me a couple examples. Abortion. Okay. Um, so abortion's not healthcare. Abortion is the murder of true. another that's human being. True. Well, you don't that's see it true. that way, but I see it that way. So that's where the fundamental disagreement comes into play. Is so I see abortion. <clears throat> I see well, abortion well, fundamentally as the murder of another human being. You see it as healthcare. So we would disagree on that. Yeah, Which, Michael. So, that, I mean, so that's, that's like, why the government should be involved then. Well, hang on. Yeah, because I mean, that, well, I mean, for this example, good example. Um, that goes back to actually what I said in the other category, right? Like the government should be involved with the big things like securing against foreign nations, war, uh, stopping murder. So, so yes, if you see, um, wow, that's like the best example you could come up with <laughs> to tie these in. Because, you know, I don't see it as healthcare because I don't want things enforced on people. But we already talked about like, you know, things that should be enforced, like the big ones, like don't murder. If you see this as murder, um, you know, ending another life, snuffing out another life, well, then that that falls under the original category that I said, you know, should be the big things, murder. So that would be a hotly contested topic. But I'd say I agree with Chris. Um, so things not like murder, um, I, I can't think of another example. But I mean, you know, generally, yeah, gender stay out of it. How about gender affirmation? I think that could fall to the, I mean, I think that should fall to the parents. And it doesn't mean I'm, doesn't mean I like it. And I'm talking on, to on adults. Stuff. You what? Adults. Do what you want. Okay. Yeah. Adults, we don't care. Children is a different I haven't story. heard any, I haven't heard any Christian say that the law should prevent adults from like transitioning or gender affirmation surgery. Like, have you heard that? I've never heard anyone say that for adults. Do what you want. I don't agree with it, but it's your body. Do it. That, I mean, that's the greatest example of your body, your choice. It's legitimately only your body. So it's your choice. I mean, you know, don't climb up a building and jump off. Um, I don't agree with that. But I mean, you know, if you want to, um, that's your choice. Oh, oh, that's interesting. What, what about, uh, what about, um, um, do you believe that if, and it sounds like you, you agree that you have the right to life. Do you think you also have the right to not live anymore? No. Uh, well, 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 hang on. When we talk about rights, that's automatically, you know, getting government involved. So stay out of it. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's silent. Like on the right to life or the right to death, the government's just like, we don't, we're, there is no rights. Like the government's out of it. So I think, you know, suicide and offing yourself prematurely is wrong. I think it's a sin. Um, I think you should not do it. I'll discourage it. Um, but if someone wants to die, well, do it. Um, if someone wants to live, no one should be preventing them from trying to live. If someone's like, hey, I found this like, you know, green monkey DNA, uh, you know, in a lab somewhere. And, you know, I think maybe it can cure me, um, you know, assuming it's not going to like release like some plague on society. Um, well, if you want to experiment some weird stuff, I mean, I hope you don't turn into like, you know, a super villain, but sure. 
Yeah, and it's. I, I want to be clear that I'm not talking about, um, like, I'm not talking medically. I talk talking about medically assisted suicide for someone who is depressed or had a bad day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking very specifically about, you know, someone who is, you know, in, you know, stage four inoperable cancer, has, you know, kind of maybe three months to live, and their quality of life is going to be essentially. 24 7 pain until they finally die that's that's what i'm talking about do you think yeah, that you keep setting up these hobson's choices well, what you're saying is is it <laughs> is it the government's job to force a doctor to fill you full of medication until you die or well, is it because that's that what's happening well. oh I but that's what's that happening all. in canada is that if you are a physician who refuses to do a physician assisted suicide you will be fired okay because the government takes that citation physicians route. physician I, I can send you an article physician okay. this always happens is that you you because you're in your left-wing bubble you don't read white right-wing sources and then you have no idea about the examples that we hello, bring up. And we hello. do bring up the examples. Hello, Kettle. This is pot calling. No, no. <laughs> Come on, I read, I read left-wing and right-wing sources constantly. Okay? So I read HuffPost and I read Daily Wire. Yeah. The problem is, is that... The problem is, is that... Um, and this happens... And, and Michael, this is not a criticism, but this happens constantly. Is like, we'll bring up North Northam, who talks about, you know, oh. making a decision after a baby is born and you're like, that never happened. And then we provide you with voluminous documentation and you're like, well, I stand against that. And we're like, yeah, of course you would because you're a good person. So what I'm saying is, is that there are always edge cases. What, what you're trying to, to get at obliquely is can we make doctors into slaves of the state? And that goes back That's and Michael, all, all these, well, 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 Michael, all these examples you're coming up with, they all still hinge from, from going back to, you know, where I thought we, whether you agree it's murder or not, going back to, the, you know, the original thing, like less government. And one of the very few things I, I would like government to do is, you know, prevent like murders and have penalties for murder and things like that. So then that extends to, you know, abortion and end of life and stuff like that. And not everyone will see it that way, but, you know, there will be a fair amount who do, but it all hinges, you know, whether you see it as murder or not. Um, it's the opposition will say it is, it, it is dealing with murder. So like the, one of the things we would like prevented, like, you know, control murder ties into these scenarios. So I'm thinking, well, no, I wouldn't like the government to force anyone to kill or to preserve a life. That goes back to per personal responsibility, right? If you want to end your life, don't try to have the government compel someone to do it for you. Jump off a building, drink some Drano, go swimming with sharks. Um, if you want to kill yourself that badly, then it's your responsibility to deal with it. Um, if you can find, you know, Dr. Kevorkian out there who's like all too happy to do it, maybe when he's like, oh, I see a treatment. I could cure this person. <laughs> you want to die? I'm going to send you to the netherworld um, or vice versa. No, I, I don't like I, I don't like the government to force people to do that. Um, so, so in that sense, well, do I think you should have the right to die? There would be no, quote, right to die. There's just, hey, you want to die? you go die. So the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada uh, cited here the Canadian policies and laws on the conscientious objection in healthcare, which describes Gautier's policies in the Canadian Medical Association, or CMA, uh, and the College of Physicians and Surgeons across Canada. 
Quote, doctors in Canada are allowed to deny care based on their personal religious beliefs. They also have no obligation to refer appropriate uh, appropriate actions in Ontario or uh, Ontario or other provinces. They don't even need to, to give an effective referral. They can simply deny. So, Chris, where is this article where you're saying they get fired? Because there's also a section on here that talks about... Uh, give me a second. I just conflict, conflict and also, discrimination clauses. It is unlawful, and you may be prosecuted for forcing a doctor in or medical health care professional in Canada to perform any service that falls outside of their strongly held religious beliefs. So, so, so whatever uh, you're saying. So when doctors refuse, would also so be, when doctors refuse to give the COVID vaccine because it was against their religious beliefs and they were fired, that applies to that. Well, yeah, that and, seems and so like if, a double if standard. That fact, if that in fact happened, if that in fact happened, Chris, then that what that doctors or the healthcare professional should do is is sue because it's laid out right here in the in the uh, by the Canadian Medical Association that that is unlawful. So those doctors should sue absolutely. But there's no Canadian law that says that uh, that you have to do something that you disagree with. And 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 as as a as a citizen of perhaps the most litigious country in the history of humankind, I think you would be right on board with suing somebody. Wow, that's some American hate coming in. No, it's a it's a fact. <laughs> I've 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 never I've never heard of a group of a more litigious group. That, I have uh, never sued think, anyone in my entire life. Good, I'm glad. Except now for you, because you hurt my feelings. Okay, that's okay. Shouldn't just the case be that anything that comes to healthcare, it should be life-threatening, and if it's not, then it should it be decided by the government that this is our care that needs to happen, right? I don't understand that question. Like, if it's not life-threatening, then doctors should have the option to refuse to do care. Truly, I mean... They can. No doctor has to perform any service that, that goes against their strongly held religious beliefs. It's right in the documents in the Canadian Medical Association. I'm religious no beliefs, though. Just any, just if it's not life-threatening, you should be able to deny service. doesn't matter oh, if it's me. belief or yeah. not. Right, so I actually, I actually misspoke. Doctors in Canada are allowed to deny deny care based on their personal or religious beliefs. So I actually misread. So, so if any doctor or healthcare professional in Canada says, I don't want to do that, they don't have to do it, whatever it is. Well, Brother David, what's up? Welcome. Hey, thank you. So I know there are people that don't think that abortion is murder, but then why is it when, a, when someone murders a pregnant woman, it's all called a double homicide? a little bit of shift of our conversation but i mean sure why not michael thoughts sorry can you re restate it when someone kills a pregnant woman it's a double homicide so if abortion is not murder how do they uh that's a lot of feedback david if abortion is is not murder then why is it called murder when a pregnant woman gets uh murdered it's a double homicide meaning the baby got murdered but is when that you the, do it by is abortion, that the case murder. in the u.s i'm not sure that's the case in canada i'll have to look it up yeah, let's all look it up. I don't know. 
Michael, do you have a do you have a line on, on where you draw? Like when does life begin? I guess in your eyes. So that's really interesting. So so my my opinion uh, is not short. So I apologize, Nate. When and I have no problem stating this. When you terminate a pregnancy, there is no reasonable argument against the fact that you are terminating a potential human life. There's no argument against that. You are absolutely terminating a, a potential life. Now, approximately 25% of recognized pregnancies end in spontaneous abortion. Most of them happen before the woman even knows that she's pregnant. This happens all the time. This is just this is just demonstrably true. Now, for me, the line is drawn since you asked me what my opinion is. My opinion is when uh, when when the fetus, unborn child, baby, I don't care what you want to call it, reaches the age in the womb where it can survive autonomously. And what I mean by autonomous, because I've heard lots of silly arguments against this, because I have people say, my two-year-old isn't autonomous. You're silly. Don't make that argument. It's a dumb argument. Please never make it. Um, what I mean by autonomous is the ability to sustain its own life, breathing, etc., without the assistance of the mother's body. That's what I mean when I say autonomous. When, when that fetus, baby, whatever you want to call it, reaches that age, then I think personally, abortion should no longer be an option. That's my personal opinion. So you ask when I draw the line, that's where I draw the line. Does that vary case by case? Like, I mean, there's so many children who are underdeveloped inside the womb who are underweight and so like they have to be like hey you know we want to get it out at 35 weeks but we don't know if it's going to survive we need to wait till 36 weeks and some kids are 23 24 weeks have you know in surviving so doesn't that just vary case by case then wouldn't that then your opinion vary case by case yeah it would yep that's that's a fair statement yes it would because I think you do have to look at these in individually. I don't think, like I said, my opinion is that's where I draw the line. But but you've you've added a degree of nuance to it that that I agree with. That I think you do have to look at it case by case. All right. Anyone else have anything? Let's invite some people. Feel free to jump up and talk. Bring your questions. So, Chris, I haven't looked at the. I, I did see the the article briefly that you posted, and it says it looks like it says a doctor claims he was fired because of. So, how do we know that that's what, what it actually was? Toronto doctor claims is from CTV News. So, thank you for posting at least a Canadian source. Um, Ontario doctor claims he was fired because he was critical of the province's pandemic response. Claims he was fired because of. Well, is there a way to dig deeper and find know. out? It's well, a I long, mean, there, yeah, I'll have well, to read uh, the article. Maybe well, I mean, the, it's also reasonable, though, because, I mean, that's like, you know, um, like, for example, race is a protected class. So landlords can't discriminate based on race. So if they don't like the race of a couple wanting to rent an apartment, they can't, you know, I mean, you know, they can't say, well, because of your race, we're not renting you. That's illegal. But if they don't like the person's race and don't want to rent the apartment to them, they can be like, oh, well, you know, 
you have a blue car and that doesn't go with the, the other cars in the neighborhood. So that's why we're denying your application. So it's totally, everyone knows it's because of the race, but technically it's because their car is blue and blue cars are not protected. So it's like, you know, if, if they said, oh, well, you know, you didn't, uh, you didn't do something here that would normally be like, I don't know, maybe a, a write up or maybe not even against policy, but you didn't do this. Um, so you're fired when maybe everyone really knows it's clearly because, you know, whatever Chris is saying, and there's just no way to prove it. But I mean, we do know that there's examples of stuff like that happening all the time across all areas of life. So, I mean, that's yeah, I, I, I do think, okay, so, so is that a possibility? Absolutely. That's a possibility. And now the person making that claim is now burdened with the, with the, with the necessity of demonstrating that's the case. Right. So, so you can't just, you know, oh, I was, I was fired because of X. Okay. Do you have any, do you have any evidence to show you were fired for X? Well, I know this stuff happens all the time. That's not what I asked you. Do you have any evidence to demonstrate that you were fired because of X? Anybody can, it is trivially easy, right? You can claim anything you want. People do it all the time. Demonstrating your claim is true is a different story. So is it possible? Absolutely. And it would be dishonest for anybody to say it's not possible. But, that, but it doesn't necessarily follow that it was the case that that's what happened. And I guess we're just stuck there. <laughs> Welcome, Andrew. Hello. Do you have anything to say? You usually have some stuff to talk about. Perhaps not. Chris, are you driving somewhere very important? So, Michael, are you sending uh, sending flowers to uh, Trump's protest today outside uh, Mar-a-Lago for the unjust treatment of our president? <clears throat> I mean, I tried everything else. We may as well get political. Is he, is he being – it's funny. I was watching um, – are, are you a fan of Jon Stewart at all? I used to be like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I, find, I, I find that ever since – you know, since the gloves have come off and he now has a – uh, he has a show. I forget the name of it now on Apple TV, and it's uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty tasty. Um, he did a show the other night, the season two finale, talking about the indictment, obviously. And uh, he had a couple. He had a um, he had a law professor uh, come on, uh, and also a, a civil rights activist come on, talking about how, like, how. Because that's one of the things when people talk, oh, he's being treated so unjustly, and this is selective prosecution and stuff like that, which is hysterical. But, um, and like my standpoint is, it's like if, so let's assume for a second that everything that Hillary Clinton was accused of is true. And let's assume that everything that the quote unquote Biden crime family is accused of is true. And Hunter Biden is a, just an unfettered criminal. Let's just say those things are all true. Prosecute them all. Here's the difference. Prosecute, prosecute the criminals. Okay. Right? Here, yeah. And, well, and I mean, if Trump I mean, is I... also guilty, prosecute him. Have, have you, I actually, I haven't read it yet, but I downloaded the indictment. And I, I like, this is, this is what the, uh, this is what the, um, uh, the, uh, the guy the, from, this, from the, the Justice Department said. He's like, I encourage everybody to read it especially the detractors, read it. 
and then make well, a decision. Well, here's the thing, but you know, because there's like what 37 counts, and apparently more are coming because this is just ridiculous. But the crux of it, because I certainly haven't looked at 37 things, and the guy spent two minutes talking about it and looked like he was being threatened by probably, you know, our, our dearly dear leaders. Um, like the guy was shaky. It was weird. But um, I mean, the whole thing hinges from you know the classified documents. So it's like, and this is where I guess it will be fought out in the court, hopefully uh, fair and impartial court, but. The interpretation of it talks about how any president can declassify anything at any time. So the the argument. So, by the way, if they're all guilty, like you said, Trump was legitimately president. So according to this, he can declassify anything. So he would not be guilty. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, how he could be. Um, as far as the other people, Clinton, um, I, I mean, everyone, like pretty much every president, like tons of senators, like tons of people are guilty of this legitimately because they never held office of president. So they can't declassify. So Trump would be the only one who isn't guilty of this because he is president. So, uh, for example, Biden, he is president now, but whenever they found all the stuff, like, you know, 1800 boxes stored between like the, you know, the Chinese, whatever place in the college, his garage, um, you know, all these other places, he was vice president. That is illegal. He never had authority to classify. Same thing with Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and hiding stuff in their sock drawer and Mike Pence who, Oh, I cannot stand that guy. He just came out. He's like, no one is above the law. Everyone who did a crime should be prosecuted. That's you, genius. You were vice president. He had classified documents. Therefore, by his own words, he should be prosecuted. So the only one who didn't, uh, the only one who did have the authority to do this is Trump. Now, almost done. The, the case apparently they're making is the interpretation of who says that. So they're saying some people, the, the pro-Trump, you know, the Trump did nothing wrong people are saying that because he's president, Anything he says um, is declassified, is declassified. Anything found in his possession is declassified by virtue of this law. He's like, I'm the president. Whatever I'm holding is automatically declassified because I'm holding it and I say it is. Um, the other people are trying to argue like, I don't know, there's some sort of, of unwritten process he has to go through to having it declassified. And some people are trying to say, well, it needs to it go through different channels. But the law didn't just the law didn't say that. The law just blankly says president has the power to declassify whatever they want. Um, so, so that's what's going to be fought out in court. Some people are going to say, well, you could have declassified it, but you didn't go through whatever channels they say you need to go with that the law doesn't say. That's the entire crux of this. I hate that I know this much about it. Well, and it's interesting, right? So, I mean, there's a, I was, I, um, I looked, I did look at an, at an article. Um, I can't remember where it was from. It might've been from the New York times. That, that talked about this very thing, how when he was on Fox News, he said basically, uh, he said something like, um, I, I, I'm declassifying everything. <clears throat> and there is a, and apparently a sitting president has the capacity to do that. A former president does not. Um, and, but there is a process, right? In, in the same way, there's a, there's a, like there's a legal process for pretty much everything, right? So if he didn't follow the process, like, well, I, you know, I was in the process of getting my driver's license. I don't have it. I don't have it yet, but I was in the process of doing, well, there's a process to getting your driver's license before you're legal to drive a car. There's a process of declassifying something. And, oh, the other thing I do remember is that there's, there's no record. Uh, there's no record anywhere. And because basically everything in the Oval Office is audio recorded and kept, there is no record anywhere of him making even an overarching order that's saying I'm declassifying stuff. The, the record doesn't exist. 
So if he did say it, he maybe said it to himself, but he, it's not something he uttered, and it's it's not a declaration that he made, and he didn't follow the procedure for it. Well, right, and that's the whole thing that's going to be fought out, and this is way above both of our pay grades. We don't, like, based on the law, it does not seem like there is a procedure. It just seems kind of open-ended. It just, so people are kind of like the Bible. People are trying to apparently read in procedure that no one can define because it's not in the law. The law just says president can declassify. And then people are saying, oh, well, what that really means is he has to do this, this, and this. And they're like, the law doesn't say that. It just says he can. Anyway, so that that's that's the both sides. So, you know, people other than us will fight this out. And I guess maybe a jury of their peers will determine who they believe is right. Yeah, I did see that apparently it's a the um, the judge that will preside over this is a is a Trump appointed judge. But it's um, also in Miami, right? So I, I really I don't know. I just. I mean, you know, because how many people like one of Trump's biggest faults is he he for for as much as good as he is about like I don't know reading like foreign leaders, he's really bad about leading people reading people closest to him. Like you know, there there have been some letdowns. Like you know, people he kept in his cabinet that and, and maybe they were good at the beginning. So I mean, maybe it's not all his fault. Like maybe they were totally good in the beginning, and then people got to him. I mean, so you know, maybe I I will walk back that a little bit because maybe they started good. And then, you know, being with some of the most powerful positions in the nation, maybe people got to them. And they're like, oh, well, here, you know, here's a future job for you. Here's future book deals, you know, turn against Trump. I mean, it's like uh, it's like Roger Stone, right? Like, you know, that that guy, I actually respect him a lot, you know, because whenever they tried, like, you know, uh, to get him to say bad stuff against Trump because they were trying to, like, you know, arrest him and his wife with cancer and all this other stuff. And he's like, no, he, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and he went to jail or, you know, and got pardoned by Trump for it. But I'm like, you know, how many people like faced with that? I bet a lot of people folded and they're just like, oh, yeah, he's evil. Yes, he's terrible. Yes, he raped me 30 years ago in a bathroom stall where everyone was around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he is good at reading people. They just flipped on him. So if he if he is tried in court and convicted by a jury of his peers, will you still support him? Oh, absolutely. Me too. Um, and I want to I want to clarify, like, um, how do I clarify? Because, you know, there's like 37 counts, right? So this crap just keeps coming. We don't know what all the counts are. But as far as the classified stuff, like I can we can disagree with a jury of our peers, a, a jury of our peers, uh, you know, doesn't mean they're right. Uh, you know, we think there's lots of juries that get stuff way wrong. So, you know, if if there's something like um. I don't know if if there's like overwhelming evidence in, in the court of public opinion, like, you know, it's just indisputable. Like Trump's having a live press conference and like pulls out a gun to shoot someone. I'm like, oh, no, no, that's bad. Like, I think he's innocent of all this other stuff. But yeah, he, like we, we literally saw him commit murder on national TV. That That's there's no justification for that. Um, it's not self-defense, nothing like that. Like, yeah, send, I mean, send the guy to jail just like anyone else. Um, so uh, not not like anything he does is excusable. But in the case of everything I've seen so far, I don't believe he's guilty of any of it for a second. Um, if one of these 37 things or like the other 100 things that are about to come out, um, you know, if they keep piling on top, because at this point, they're just throwing spaghetti at a wall and hoping something sticks or enough people hate him that they won't care how, how lame their prosecution is. If they just get 12 people that hate Trump, their job is done. It's going to work. Um, so if, anyways, if it's legitimate, I legitimately think he did something then yeah, if the punishment fits the crime, then hold him accountable. 
Uh, but to this point, we see zero evidence. And then I'll take your side earlier. Um, if he gets convicted of this stuff, then um, there's no reason why everyone shouldn't be held accountable. So regardless of his innocence or guilt, if he's legitimately guilty, um, and I believe he's guilty, well, then I wouldn't support him because of that. I mean, you know, if it was like a, something he fudged a tax record for, then I could say, oh, he's guilty, but, you know, that's not big enough. Keep him running for president. Uh, we've got way bigger criminals. Dick Cheney shot a guy in the face, and he's fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, do you get what I'm saying, Michael? There's two things. One, if he's guilty, he's guilty. Um, and if it's guilty, you know, like a serious offense, well, it could cause me to lose support for him. Um, on the complete other unrelated Trump, the fact that all these people have, like I'm convinced, like half the country, half the world's convinced that these other people in power are absolutely rotten to the core, um, like dealing with foreign governments, selling out our country, like doing all kinds of like ungodly, like serious, serious stuff. And no one's even lifting a finger against them. That is infuriating. Yeah, that's the part I don't like. That this, this is, this seems to be just more of the witch hunt against the greatest president of my lifetime. This this guy was not perfect, but he was efficient. He made the country, as far as our enemies are concerned, understand that we had somebody that was going to fight for the nation. Now we have people who they want to kumbaya with everybody except America, everybody except the United States. We, we, we're, man, it's ridiculous. It's painful. It is painful to watch this continued fiasco. He was in office and everything that he said about what the deep state was doing has been proven to have been true. Nobody is doing anything about it. The FBI is horrible. It, 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 and, and it's just, wow. I don't usually say anything about politics because it, it pisses me off. I, I just, I backed out of it. I, after I saw that it appears that nobody cared really in the 2020 election to fight for what was right after just watching Things happen at the polls and things happen. I'm looking at numbers. I still have the I still have the video. I'm looking at the numbers. Trump has the numbers. And then all of a sudden, the exact amount of numbers that he has switches over to, to Joe Biden. How the heck does that happen? But then when they question it and say, oh, there's something with the machines and they sue everybody and oh, you're defaming us, man, whatever. Uh, Trump Trump hasn't done anything worthy of this, but just to keep this man from being president again, let's just keep keep making it, besmirching his name and making him look like he's the villain. I'm done. Okay, as, as someone who is not a Trump supporter, I want to make that clear. And to me, he is not the greatest president of this country in my lifetime. <laughs> I've been around, been around 58 years. So I've gone to quite a few presidents. Uh, what I would say is, I want to see all the evidence. I want to watch the whole case and how the prosecutor and the defense present their cases. 
And if the and the bottom line, if he's guilty, he guilty. I understand that we have our biases and our political biases, whether we are to the far right, far left, or like me, I like to say centered, where I can keep my mind open and listen to the whole thing, whole matter. Uh, by the way, good morning, everybody. Forgive me for not saying that. But I'll never forgive you for that. <laughs> Y'all something else. Like Christians anyway. judging everybody. But anyway, I look uh, at the I look at the idea of we see we what we want to call a witch hunt is because because sometimes we go because our political bias. No, it's because they lied, man. It's because wait, 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 Nick. Let me let me get my statement out there, Pastor Sam. I can disagree with I I disagree with a lot of things ultra conservatives say. I disagree with everything ultra ultra progressives say. Actually, if we look at the true political spectrum, it actually goes from it starts with the the revolutionary to the counter-revolutionary. I know y'all know that seven perspective on the spectrum, <laughs> a political spectrum. Um, but what what I would say is, watch the whole case. Don't look at it through rose-colored glasses because of your biases. Watch the whole case. And when you watch the whole case, and if the evidence that's presented makes him guilty, he's guilty. But if the jury of his peers say he's not guilty, he's not guilty. And let's let let's do deal with it that way. The man is presumed innocent until proven guilty. I know he's not very popular with about sixty percent of the nation, and I know he's popular with like forty. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, about fifty-seven percent of the nation. Fifty-five percent of the nation. He's not favorable, but with the other forty-five, he is. So let's let let's um let's let's take a look at it from uh watching the case. I know we well, got our uh, public opinion, but let us look at the case. Well, Sean, why do you also think like this is kind of like how, you know, when people talk about uh, what's what I do here, when people talk about, uh, you know, God and they like talk about how, you know, bad God, like a Muslim talks about, you know, our God and our faith and like, oh, God kills these people. God flooded the world, blah, blah, blah. And it's <clears throat> moment. <clears throat> and it's like <clears throat> the, you know, you, you want to defend our God. Because, you know, it's our God. So it's like, okay, well, we're here to answer questions. So let's explain. One minute, I have to. Nate, go get a vaccine. Oh, goodness. Oh, that's probably my problem. Um, anyways, not getting them, not having them. Um, anyways, so, um, so like the Christian, you know, the responsibility, we want to defend our God. Um, but the, the, what everyone wants to do is immediately attack the Muslim, right? And be like, oh, well, look at your God, look at Allah, look at this, look at the prophet, peace be upon him, look at all this other stuff. But it's like, well, we still have a responsibility for our God. So in this case, Trump is not God. But so it's like, you know, the people who support Trump, it's like, we're our candidate. Um, so we we have a responsibility because, you know, we support him. So it's like to defend why we support our candidate. Um, but then let's not forget the other side, which is like, it's not like the other side is innocent. The other side, you know, is absolutely disgusting. So my question for you, Sean, um, what you just said about Trump is fine. Um, but then what do you think about the other, the, the side doing this to him? Because you've got like the entire just cesspool of like lifelong corrupt people. Like, I, I mean, it, they're, it's proven corruption. 
in every sense other than they've actually been tried and convicted because no one's going to try and convict them because it's all the same incestuous swamp pile. Um, so what do, what do you think about that? Like just, just all the stuff against him, because if they went after everyone they disagreed with, like you, me, everyone, um, just how they're going out of Trump, they would do it enough times that eventually either they would find something to convict us of, which on one hand you say, well, if we're guilty, we're guilty. Sure. But if they up the charges, get the maximum penalties, it's just total weighing scales. Or even if someone is not guilty, they're eventually going to do this enough times to find a jury who hates you so much or likes the prosecution so much that they're going to like, you know, vote against you anyway. So even if you aren't guilty, um, it's going to be something minuscule with trumped up charges, no pun intended, or it's going to be something that you're legitimately not guilty of. But because you've got so much, like a hundred charges against you, eventually they're going to find a court that's going to convict you. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you see any of that? Or do you think uh, all of this is totally pure and they're just seeking justice on the rule of law? Justice I think this is just a song. Oh, that's for, hang on, that's, 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 wait, wait, wait. That's, that's for Sean. I think it's an answer to that question. Thank you. Uh, do I think, I, I look, I have not been a fan of Trump, I, I and I admittedly say so. But I do not want nobody railroaded into in the prison either, all right? That's why I say the rule of law says what? That the man, that anyone who is taken to court is his, he, the prosecutor has to prove his guilt, his or her guilt. Because right, uh, from the moment he steps in the trial, and when they plead not guilty, it's on the prosecutor to plead to prove the guilt of the uh, same way when you do. Nope, oh, you get a call. Uh, random, I heard you try to say something. Yeah, so uh, I recently, it's only a 47-page document. Um, everybody, I encourage you to read it. Um, it is, it, it lays out uh, what the prosecution is going to be prosecuting on. Um, there are recorded conversations of Trump having documents this is specifically in there. Uh, this is a recorded conversation with Trump and some press people over like some interview. Uh, and he has a document and he says, look at this. This is confidential or this is classified. Look at it. You're not supposed to be looking at this. Look at it. Um, so even, uh, <laughs> oh, it's magical. Um, and there are a couple other recorded conversations as well, wherein Trump is acknowledging that it is in fact, they, they are in fact like confidential or classified documents. Um, then this is after his presidency, uh, and he's telling people to look at them. Uh, there's also uh, specific things, uh, in the, uh, document wherein, you know, there's Trump, uh, you know, basically spelling out that he is going to um, not play ball with people trying uh, with the, like the NR, uh, NARA uh, when they ask for those documents back. Um, he's encouraging his uh, uh, lawyers to lie to the uh, people trying to get those documents back to say that they don't have documents. Uh, all of these have been either recorded or corroborated by the specific lawyers present. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually have to run, but uh, yeah, I'll say um, yeah, I, I've heard what you're talking about, and I mean, again, who are we? But I I know you know the prosecution is going to say that, 
And I know, you know, I've heard people articulate it and say, well, you know, the law says he's he's a you know, he's the president and can do this stuff regardless. Um, so is he saying like <clears throat> this is highly classified material and I'm going to keep it that way. You don't have clearance. I'm going to let you read it anyways. Or is he saying this is classified material and the um, the. Um, wow, words continue to be hard. The implication is, you know, this this is classified material, but here it's now declassified. So go ahead and take a look at it. And I mean, who's to say what he actually meant? I mean, of course, he's going to say the most favorable and the detractors are going to say the most disfavorable. But that's going to be what, you know, a jury or I don't know if they're going to bench trial for any of this or if it's going to be jury. But I mean, that's what the jury is going to deliberate about. So, you it, know, let's... It, it was a recorded interview of him after being president. So he can't declassify things after he's president. I'm going to say regardless. Right, right. Well, right. I know. But it's like, you know, if he if he had. OK, so if he has the documents. You're right. So if he has the documents after he's president, is like, is it like? So if, the documents, if, he, if he has the documents after he's president and makes reference to them being confidential in that situation, in the specifically literally recorded conversation, and he says, these are confidential, you're not supposed to look at them, look at them. Right. That's, and that's going to that's going to be the. Right. And that's going to be the whole thing. Right. And you said confidential. I think you meant classified. But yeah. So he's, if he's like, hey, here's a folder. This is classified material. Like, you know, is it colloquially or whatever? But like he, he's referring to his classified material, but it's been declassified. Now, I'm not making an argument for him. I'm just saying this is what the both sides are going to say. So one side is going to say no. When he said confidential or got now I'm doing it. When he said classified, he literally meant classified. He meant the words out of his mouth. And he's saying this is after president. He effectively snuck classified information out, and he did not declare it declassified. So now he is walking around knowingly presenting actually classified information um, that he didn't declassify to these people who he is recorded and journalist. Um, he's literally doing that, knowing full well what he's doing, and that is illegal. Um, the other side is going to say, no, it's like just if I had something and I as the president and I declassified it, and I, I said, hey, this is declassified, and now I have it like my house already been declassified and journalists come over and like hey check out this classified information you're saying it's classified because you know the implication is it, it was classified but yes of course you declassified it but you're still referring to it as classified information because it previously like two weeks ago was classified and i mean you know that's what both sides are going to say so who knows we'll see what happens but he, he, he said he should have for... declassified it though he said he should have de declassified it in the conversation so him saying he should have declassified it means that he never <laughs> declassified well, if that's how it is, then I guess that will be pretty easy. Yeah, regardless, I, I still want to say I want to encourage everyone to just read it. It's it's 47 pages. It's, you know, a little bit legally is hard to get through in, in, in a couple places. But you have every ability to look at it. Please do it. It's trash. Well, his, his strongest argument, Trump's strongest argument is the one he made on Saturday, that Hillary Clinton should have gotten in trouble. But then he undercuts himself because he had four years having an attorney general that should have gotten that done. So that's a weird thing. So I do think it's his strongest argument to make. But then why didn't it happen? So that, that's not, where it gets charged. It, it's not a well, strong argument. It's not a strong well, argument on, because hang it's, it's too full quick. I, I really have to go. But I mean, it, also, there's prosecutor, prosecutorial discretion, right? So I'm sure there's something. There's a red light. Someone, probably all of us have ran at some point, and we haven't got caught. 
Um, if people wanted to like, you know, just drill us and look for any reason and give us like a one year in state pens, because that would be the maximum sentence of like, you know, a misdemeanor of running a red light 20 years ago. Um, and they ignore statute of limitations like they've done already in different things, then we're all guilty. So we can't on one hand. Yeah, if he's guilty, he's guilty. And that's bad. Um, there's no defending that if he legitimately did something wrong, then he should own up for it. However, there is prosecutorial discretion. So if they're going to go like as hard as they can for him over this and they're you know it's like get the log out of your own eye before you go up the spec in his if his spec is you know one classified document i mean i don't know if it's secret or top secret or what the classification is but you know if it's let's just say it's not one of the most serious ones whatever the penalty for that is i don't even know um but that penalty would would probably be appropriate uh but if they're turning their a blind eye to all this other stuff that like w we have very good evidence that's like the worst of the worst it could possibly be. And there's like, nope, not going to do that. Then at some point, yes, guilty is guilty. If he did it, he should be penalized. But if he's going to be penalized like outrageous leaps for this um, and all these other people are going to go completely scot-free, that is absolute trash. And, um, you know, that's not going to waver my support. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I, if we're going to hold him accountable, then they darn sure better hold anyone else accountable. Otherwise, this is how Venezuela toppled. Uh, they're, I not, really they're, have to not go, do, they're not going to do it, Nate, because they don't care about our country, man. It, it, it's, it's clear that they don't care. Yeah, no, oh, I, I know. Yeah, I have a question. So, platitude. Pla I got to go. Look. See you guys later. <laughs> later, Nate. <laughs>